Oh, okay, thank you. Yeah. Yeah. We were like sitting here in silence waiting you for somebody to me, say. You were motioning to me, but I didn't even notice. I, yeah, so. I wanted somebody to say so. I'm glad Courtney said so. That's, I'll break the ice. That's yeah. how we always start this show. That's the only way to start this show. So. Um, so. Okay, I got, so. I got two little anecdotes, right? Basically, this, this one I, this is dumb, but whatever. Look, all I know is this. We're just talking outside, and I mentioned that at conventions, there's this thing that I like to do, right? When you go to a convention, when you go to a panel, you're waiting outside in line to get into the panel to speak to, you when know. you say conventions, you're referring to, like, Comic-Con. Comic-Con right? Yeah, Comic-Con, WonderCon, that sort of thing. You know, you're, you're waiting outside in line to speak to these celebrities or these directors, writers, mm-hmm. whatever. But the thing is, a lot of times what happens is that uh, somebody will walk by, and they will ask you, oh, hey, what's this line for? So my favorite thing to do <laughs> is to tell them something really weird because, because it is Comic-Con, and pe- most likely people will believe it. <laughs> Even though it's, like, really outlandish. And I tried to push it as far as I could one time. I think it was, like, in 2013 or 12 I went. We're waiting in line. And, um, and by the way, in, in the comic book world, it's, like, a, a versus books were really big that year. Anyway, so somebody walks by, and they're like, oh, hey, well, what's this line for? And the first thing I say is, oh, yeah, it's, uh, it's X-Men versus Star Trek. And he's like, oh, okay. <laughs> and he walks away. And then later on, some other guy walks by, and he's like, oh, uh, what, what's this line for? And uh, I had to make something else up, so I was like, uh, "It's uh, it's X Men versus the Evil Dead." He's <laughs> like, oh, "Okay." My my favorite one though, and this guy like looked really like I don't know. I love the look on his face, but this guy walks up and he's like, uh, "What uh, what's this line for?" And I say, "Oh, oh it's like the, the most serious like s- serious face I can muster." I say, uh, "Oh, it's uh, it's X Men versus Dance with the Stars." Nice. <laughs> <laughs> and he just kind of like nods to like, "Oh, oh okay." Did he nice. get in line? No, he just walked out. <laughs> Other thing is, this. I wish he got in line. <laughs> I would have the story, this story would have been way better if he got if in he line. got in line. Should have lied to me. I should have lied to you. I'll, I'll, I'll keep it in mind to lie in the future. Other thing I want to mention: some people deserve better than the truth. Yeah. <laughs> you can't handle the truth. Other thing I want to mention about it's Fig Newtons, right? Basically, <laughs> I mentioned outside to these guys that uh, I was going to buy a five-hour energy because I was so tired and I needed the energy, but I decided to buy, like, a granola bar and a Fig Newton. And I knew when I was buying that Fig Newton, I'm going to be disappointed. Like, Fig Newton is really going to be disappointing. And when I took a bite of it in front of these two, Courtney and Ryan, I, I was disappointed. But um, it was a disappointment that I expected. It was a very comfortable disappointment. Right, Ryan? Uh, yeah. Nostalgic. 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 Yeah. Disappointment. disappointment. I think I'm that way with smoothies. I keep saying, okay, I'm going to give it a try, and then I'll get one. I'm just like, Nope, not for me. Nope, <laughs> every time. Yeah, but that sounds more like you don't like it. I think Noosh, when he ate that Fig Newton, he was like, uh, "This, I expected this." <laughs> yeah, it's exactly I don't like it, as. But yeah, I'm glad it's it's what I expected. It's it's a dis- it's the disappointment of life in a bar. <laughs> <laughs> Their new slogan. <laughs> All right. It tastes like life. <laughs> wow. <laughs> oh, amateur button. hour amateur hour here we go here we go
Quick so, mention. Yeah. They're doing a... I don't know if they're doing like a trivia night or if they're doing... I don't know yeah. what's going on out there, but they're playing like 90s music, Little Mermaid, Sex and Candy. Yeah, yeah. Whatever. But it might. we might be able to pick up a little if bit of If it does, just know that that's not us. We're it's, not cool enough to play Little Mermaid. We, so. we don't even have the licenses to play that. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. Uh... So welcome to another edition of Celebrities Underwater. I'm your, well, I'm one of your hosts, <laughs> Dinesh Kumar Singha. And, Painful. Uh, um, and, regrettably, Ryan Walters. Just along for the ride, Courtney. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, our, our, our guest, guest, our guest for today guest. is our good friend, Kent Melendez. Kent, hey, welcome to the show. Hey, welcome. how's it going? Yeah. Long time listener, apparently. Long time listener. I mean, yeah, ever since you guys announced it on Facebook, I followed it and decided to listen to it, especially JB. JB likes to blast it on Facebook. Does he? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Shout out to JB wherever he's very supportive of you guys. So, yeah. Yeah. And ever since then, I've been a subscriber, just listen to your stuff. And that's why I knew a little bit about the whole so info thing earlier. (laughs) Dude, that means it's a thing. What? So it's it's a thing like people know we do the so people meaning him. we do the so oh, the hashtag so, intro hashtag so intro. we do the so <laughs> so the so we do the so that's yeah. the full hashtag that we could be the hashtag so. we could do the so a. yeah we do the so yeah. hey that's a good one that works listen we got we got we got to work on those hashtags <laughs> yeah we do we They're do all, by the way also another I'm gonna have a lot of disclaimers today yeah uh, another disclaimer is I'm like in, a, in kind of like an incredible amount of pain so yeah. I'm not on point but i'm here hey ryan Still, show me okay. show must go show on Show must go on also ryan now man everybody everybody knows even when you're not on point you're on point ryan walters you know works uh, hard lovable funny it's all right thanks let's not get too all true <laughs> let's not get too cute in here all right all right um all right all right all right <laughs> <laughs> sorry sorry i just realized i did okay that. all right let's <laughs> get Today, on we're talking about gaming more specifically, classic video games. Classic, but, but I, I always try to boil down our topics to one word because I want to keep a, a constant theme going. Mm-hmm. I love my comfort zones. My comfort zone right Dude, now is Dude, I know. Is one there's, word. there's a lot of things, <laughs> suggestions that I've made or like yeah. things that people are like, oh, we should try this thing or we should try doing this other thing. He's like, eh, we've already done it this other way yeah. plenty of times. I just really like We're running jokes gonna... and I want everything to become a running joke. And <laughs> But then there's also the fact that, I mean, Ryan knows this, whenever I drive, if I know I'm going to exit in five miles, whatever. Five miles, I'm going to exit. I'll stay in the right-hand lane because I know I'll have to get there eventually. So it's I'm not like, even oh. five miles. If you are if you have to get off the freeway ever, yeah. you stay. <laughs> Which is always. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think I've ever even been in the car where you went. Uh, if we're, all the way, if we're all driving, the way to the left. I'll go all the way to the left if it's, like, far. If it's, okay, how's it? If it's 50 miles, I'll drive on the left side. That's it. For, for eight of those miles. For eight of those miles. <laughs> The rest of it will be mostly to the right. Yeah. I just mm. really want to be prepared for whatever happens. And yeah. whatever happens being exiting the freeway. <laughs> well, I got to get off right now. <laughs> um, yeah. yeah. So, okay. Well, uh, yeah. Our topic for today is gaming, specifically classic gaming. And uh, yes. Um, oh, wait. Hold on. Before we even uh, – we almost made a faux pas again, but I'm glad we caught it. Good. Kent, tell us about yourself. Oh, my yourself. God. <laughs> oh, we are dropping about the ball Balls are hard. dropping. Hey, but I will Puberty. compliment you that that you did get my last name right. So, <laughs> so don't worry about like uh, actually, making mistakes. I think Kent might be the first person on our show who you've said his name correct. I want to be. I want to, guys. Uh, I want to establish my recurring theme. Mm-hmm. Before we were on air, I called him Ken. I want to point that out. <laughs> That's true. Yeah. So I, I did my faux pas off air. You'll probably do it again. I will. Anyway, Kent. <laughs> sure. Tell um, us. 
about yourself. Okay, uh, let's see, where do I start? Oh, uh, I guess I'll start with, uh, I'm a student currently at CSUN, uh, studying to be a speech pathologist. Um, this is my second year in the master's program. I've got a little less than maybe two semesters left. Nice. So, and so especially tying along with that, when you were talking about um, childhood development theories yeah. and whatnot, the whole PHA thing, that was on point when you were talking about that. So Research. just want to let you know. <laughs> hey, Sesame Street. Yeah. Blue's Clues. Yeah, there you Blue's go. Clues. Combination. Yeah, so, yeah. Uh, I'm so nostalgic. By the way, isn't it great? We have eight episodes, and now we have enough episodes where we can be like, "Oh man, like kind of nostalgic about old episodes." We have a we have a roster. We have an archive of of stuff. Dude, I think you you strive to be nostalgic I about everything. Fig Newtons. I do shows that started like two months ago. I, I want to feel like I've lived life. You know, <laughs> you don't want to live life. You just want to feel like you already I, actually. Have. Can I tell you something really? Per- like, not, it's funny, personal. I like to think my whole life when I was a kid. I always. I, I think people who knew me in, in like elementary, middle school, high school knows about me. I wanted to make life as much like a TV show as possible. Like in high school, I strove to make everything like a comedy, like a Saved by the Bell type situation all the time. Ridiculous situations, jokes. I my goal in life cool was shirts. cool shirts. <laughs> Actually, yeah, I, I had like yeah. Anyway, my uh, my goal in life was I wanted to never have regrets. But now I'm an adult, and my life Everything is just is full regret. of regrets. <laughs> Everything's a regret. So I want to be nostalgic. Yeah. Yeah, bro. Remember the good old days before we fucked everything up for ourselves? Yeah. <laughs> I can remember. <laughs> yeah. So a- anything else you want to share with us, Ken? Um, Let's see. I mean, should I share how I met you, I guess, so to speak? Actually, like, I mean, me? I would love to share because there's some little anecdotes here and there that I – sure, sure. Tell us how you, how you met us. Um, and yeah. we'll add to that. Okay. I mean, it's kind of related with the theme, to be honest, because at first I met you guys through our little group project, The Game Pop, which That's was supposed right. to be a video game pop culture website. Yeah, and we so wrote JB, for you guys dude, I, very briefly. Game Pop yeah. is an important part of my life back in those days. I really wanted to be a, like a web writer. I wanted to write about yeah, video man. games. I remember. We I went w- to like art openings and yeah, stuff. Dude, we went we to had art openings. journalism passes. Yeah, dude. Oh, right, wow. the AM 8-bit, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah I am 8-bit. Mm-hmm. I, I, I was really proud of an article that I wrote that like got a lot of views about basically like the seven, seven requirements for a good video game franchise. Uh-huh. Got a lot of hits. Actually... The topic I'm talking about tonight, though, is something I want to write for the Game Pop, oh. but never got to, and now it's just I'm talking about it here. Interesting. Yeah, but yeah, Game Pop. That was that was how we met. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I mean, okay. Here's what I remember about how we met, though, mm-hmm. and I want to mention this in hopes that not only I want people to know about him, but also because I hope one day he'll be on our show. When we met Kent, it was the same time we met like the guru oh. of the Game Pop, oh, Lord. Manny. Manny. <laughs> Manny. Manny. Yeah. Manny Guardado is me. One of me and Ryan's like favorite people in the world. We love him. He's so funny, and uh, he is. He is. Manny is probably one of the most charismatic people I've ever met in my ever. life. He is. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I'll tell you this. Like the. The, one of the, my favorite memories of Manny was when we went out drinking that one night at the village. Shouldn't we, shouldn't we save our memories of Manny when Manny's on the show, if he ever Listen, gets well, on the show? I, I don't want to save this for like two years from now, because I don't know how busy Manny Listen, is. Listen, man. Also, Kent is our guest. <laughs> we shouldn't like... Well, it's stories, man. All right, whatever, uh, fine. whatever. Fine. fine. No, 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 I know the story you're going to tell. It's fine. It's Do it. Say it. No. Maybe maybe we'll, we'll entice Manny... To leave his kid at home. No, for you're right, day. dude. I'm gonna save this. Ep- I'm gonna save this story for the day. Manny Listen, comes Manny. On air. We can make you sound really cool on there the radio. Go. We can make you a star. Right. Just come on our show, man. B- bring the baby, dude. Just bring the baby. It's fine. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> uh, but anyway, yeah. I mean, that's around the time we met uh, all the whole crew. Right. The Game Pop. It was, it was yeah. good. It was a good time. Mm-hmm. It was a good time. 
Um, so, okay, awesome. Also, yeah. another thing, right. we talked about this briefly before on before being on air. Uh, JB introduced us to right. Kent, <laughs> uh, Ken, who was on the show yeah. a couple episodes ago, and another friend of ours named Kenny. Yeah. And so I assumed that they were all friends and they all knew each other. Yeah. And because Courtney knows Ken, I assume she also knew Kent. <laughs> Not the case. Yeah. Just full of yeah, assumptions. Yeah. I'm like, oh, all these people have K's in their names and they all know JB. They must all be friends. You know, I, yeah, I was, was kind of weird. Dude, dude, also, Courtney showed me some middle school pictures of JB. <laughs> Oh my god! I've and seen they these. are hilarious. <laughs> oh, They're really? kind of blurry, oh. so you can't fully. see I mean, see you, it, can't, but you, you can't you can't see his face, but you see. Yeah. You, you look at the the shape of that person. You just know it's and JB. like his <laughs> yeah. features, and you're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. look That's at that JB. face. That's JB. Dude, by the way, can I? We have to start the show, but before I, I want to say one thing, dude. Have you noticed, Ryan, that like the majority of our social circle is because of JB? I in know. a weird way, and then he and now I he like he moved. he giveth and then he, he taketh away. Yeah. He stopped oh, yeah. to bring us around other people. He was like, yeah. nah, "Nah, you guys keep your you're over here." I mean, I, I actually all my, you're all not going to meet any of my other friends. All my like high school friends I grew up with and stuff they all moved away. So all of my friends are the friends I made after I was like yeah. nineteen, and so. I killed all of Pretty my high school friends. <laughs> <laughs> That's a joke. That's yeah, allegedly. We should get your high school friends on the show so I can tell those stories because those are fun stories too, man. I mean, I can tell those stories. I'll just change the names for yeah. for privacy's sake. Nah. Yeah, I guess. I oh, guess. No. Anyway, All right, let's start the show, so, Ryan. Let's do it. Um, video games. Yeah. <clears throat> uh, so video games, pretty near and dear to me. They're por- yeah. important part of my life, uh, obviously. Yeah, you're very passionate about video games. I mean, more so than even me. I mean, I think you really love Definitely them. Definitely more, more so than you, yeah. Not I, that sounded weird, like I was insulting you. No, no, I mean you. it's fine. It's yeah. not. It's it's true. I'm yeah. just agreeing with you. Yeah, he, he, he um, Ryan introduced me to a lot of games. So, oh, yeah. yeah. Uh, I mean, for a couple reasons. I mean, obviously, I grew up playing them since I was since I can remember. You mm-hmm. know, uh, they're one of the few things in life that I can genuinely say that I'm like naturally kind of skilled at. D- and dude, it's true. There's one time we played this game called Shadow of the Colossus. It took me an hour and a half to find the weak spot and beat this one, the first boss of the game. Uh-huh. Ryan, I gave him the controller. He didn't watch me play. I did it on my own. I said, try to see how, how, if you can figure this out. Ryan figured it out in 10 minutes. Like, he's very <laughs> naturally <laughs> rational at video games. Either that or you're very bad. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Um, but I think one of the reasons that I like video games so much, or like the, the biggest reason maybe mm-hmm. for me, is uh, I just feel like they have, as a medium, they have potential to be one of the greatest storytelling mediums possible Yeah, uh, for us. I mean, yeah, if they're done right, you know, they can do a lot more than, like, tell a story. They can make you a part of a story. Sure. Uh, and, I mean, mostly, like, that if you think about it, it makes sense. I mean, experience is the strongest form of understanding right. a human can really Video achieve. games allow you to put shoes on. <laughs> what? I mean, sorry, other people's shoes on. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, that um, sounded terrible. It'll teach you how to put your shoes That's a on. really exciting video <laughs> yeah. game. Yeah. Learning to tie your shoes. <laughs> um, yeah, so I mean, there's no game yet, I guess, that uh, can make you really feel like you've lived through war or like experienced tragedy or mm, love yeah. or anything. But I've definitely had video games that have given me like a really strong emotional feeling or yeah. like a perspective that I otherwise wouldn't have. Morden. Rest in peace. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> Yeah, so, now I know this episode is about classic video games, and, uh, you know, back in the day, video games were very simple, so you wouldn't think that that sort of thing carries over very much. Right, because the graphics weren't advanced. Well, the graphics weren't advanced, there wasn't, 
even just hardware wise, there wasn't a whole lot of memory space or just yeah logically or physically capable. It wasn't physically capable of a lot. But uh, uh, I do want to talk about one game that actually came out before I was even alive that, that uh, told a pretty serious story. Yeah. yeah. Um, <clears throat> so uh, this game gave its creators, or its creator, singular, the guy who made it, uh, had nightmares for like a really long time after making it. It haunted him, this game. Uh, I'm going to talk about Missile Command. And uh, real quick disclaimer... There's a are they a YouTube channel? I mean, what else do they? They are a YouTube channel. They're, they're a they show. Have like they're a, a podcast, a show, show. podcast, yeah. whatever. There's a show called Extra Credits who yeah. also covered this. You got to shout out to them. And I'm sure other people have also covered this yeah. as well. Probably better than I'm going to. But uh, you know, you're already listening to me, so yeah. might as well just. I, fucking... I mean, the goal of our show is our own commentary on it. So, but definitely, yeah, shout out to them because they originated yeah. this whole thing. Well, from that's at least where I first yeah. heard of it. By, by the way, though, I mean, who's heard of Missile Command? Like, you guys are familiar with it? You have. Are you I'm familiar? Not, no. Do you remember You've that game? Never you remember that arcade game? Command? You've played Missile yeah, Command. I'm sure you have because uh, everybody. Everyone's okay. played. When you go on a live, when you go to the arcade, when you go to the arcade, remember this game where there's like five cities, no, three cities, six, six cities, and there's like a spinning, two spinning balls. It's literally a game with two spinning balls, and all you're doing is spinning the balls to shoot up like defensive rockets to defend the cities against I think I aerial have bombardment. Seen it, it's but also. I don't, I don't think I ever played it. It's okay. also. Been on computer where you just use yeah. your mouse. To like That's click. true. Yeah, um, that was my first experience with it. Anyway. Yeah. Our, oh, the computer. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, I, I played at the arcade. Yeah. Long yeah. Time. I mean, I've played it at the arcade, but I think my dad had a like this old Atari thing on the computer, like mm-hmm. a like a program that had like uh, Missile Command. It also had Tempest. I don't know if you guys remember Tempest. Yeah. Yeah. I love Tempest. Um, all right. So Missile Command was uh, released. On Atari in 1980. Uh, I was going to say I'm pretty confident that everyone in here has played it, but I guess Courtney has <laughs> proven one out. me wrong. <laughs> it's okay. All I, I, I still believe Courtney's played it because it's hard to imagine somebody not, like, at some point as a child just been in those. I would do that when I'd be waiting know. for, like, my brother to finish up, and I'd just mm. spin him. I wasn't playing it, but I would be spinning it. Right. <laughs> uh, so for anyone who's never heard of or isn't aware of what Miss Command is, uh, it is, you control three missile stations, and there's six cities between them. So there's, like, a missile station on the left side of the screen, three little cities, one in the middle, missile station, three more cities, another missile station. Yeah. Um, so the uh, the whole point of the game is you're just trying to save these little towns from nuclear destruction. So there's missiles, nukes coming down from the top of the screen, and you're shooting missiles to intercept them. Oh, when, how old is this game again? 1980. So this is, like, relevant to the time. This is Cold War-ish yeah. era. Okay. Yeah. So it came out in 1980. Pretty fresh off the Cold War. Or, I mean, still technically this is, part of the Cold it, War. It's not yeah. fresh off the Cold It is the Cold War. Like. Yeah. <laughs> but it's, like, the tail end of it. Yeah. Yeah, it's towards the end. Right. It's, it's winding down, I guess, but fresh in people's minds. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> so it doesn't sound like much, and it wasn't. I mean, the nukes were just, like, red lines on a screen. Explosions were just these multicolored. Were the were, I, I don't remember. Were the good missiles, your missiles, white colored? They were white. They were white. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, you know the explosions were just these little, yeah, fireworks. Kind of Eight thing. bit, sixteen bit, yeah. whatever little explosions. Um, and actually, when I played it as a kid, I, I kind of hated Missile Command. <laughs> I'm not gonna lie. I mean, and and I'll explain more why later. But it was it's just very simple and it's just, you know, point and click kind of thing. 
Um, but if you look closer at it, there's a lot more going on. So like we said, released in 1980, Cold War era, a lot of people probably still thinking about or worried about nuclear war with Russia. Um, also, let's talk about the scope. So a lot of games now are save the world, mm. save the galaxy. Right, save, right. Well, they're huge things. This right. is six cities. We, could, we can really, I can name six cities locally. I could drive to six cities right, right. now. You're not so much as like a, like a general or like a savior of the world or something as you are just like county supervisor yeah. of missile defense or something. Yeah, like yeah. You're, we, we all know. The chief to the undersecretary of yeah. missile defense. <laughs> county supervisor is like a thing that we can yeah. all recognize. Okay, So this is a very small scale sort of like real kind of, you can, you can put yourself in that situation, yeah. you know. Um, and uh, there's no pause. There's no like nothing you can do except just go. So it forces right. you to make really tough decisions for the game. On the as fly. Far as the, yeah, yeah, on the fly. So do you let all the cities get destroyed except for one and just focus on saving that one? Do you? Because you have limited missiles as well. Yeah. So do you try to save all of them with your missiles and, like, you run out faster? So it forces you to do a lot of, like, on the fly sort of, like, momentary decision-making. Yeah. sacrifices. Or sacrifices. Yeah. Uh, and... Um, one, the one thing, and this is where it starts to get pretty uh, like intense, I guess, if you think about it. There is no way to win Missile Command. And this is one of the reasons I hated Missile Command as a kid. You cannot beat Missile Command. There's no way to win. You can continue to play longer and longer and longer, and you can keep playing, essentially, for as long as possible. But there's no, there's no win. There's no game over. There's nothing. The only way to stop playing Missile Command is for your last city to get destroyed... And instead of, like, a game-over screen like everything else on Atari had, there was, like, one more nuclear explosion on the screen, and it just says, the end. Because there are no winners in nuclear war, and everybody's dead now. What a message. Yeah. Um, And it sounds like, oh, well, maybe you're reading too much into this, Ryan. You know, it's like a little old game, whatever. But uh, if we... I have a quote from the creator of the game. Do you know what that guy's name is? I did. Okay. Uh, and then I forgot it. So okay. let's it's just fine. We'll, we'll, we'll put it in the post. I'll no put worries. It. <laughs> yeah. No worries. Yeah, it was. I want to say was, Derek something. So man, don't, don't strain your back thinking about don't this guy's stra- name. <laughs> 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 um, all right, so here's, here's a quote from him when they interviewed him about the game. Yeah. He said, I'd wake up in the middle of the night from a nightmare, um, and I'd see these streaks coming in. I'd be up in the Santa Cruz Mountains, see it hit Sunnyvale, and I'd know that I'd have about 45 seconds until the blast reached me. I have those nightmares at least once a month for a year after finishing Missile Command. So this game for this guy, this, like, just little tiny pixelated cities and, like, little red streaks was, like, real to him. Like, it was really terrifying to him. And he can, like, he, he knew those six cities that he was thinking about or that he saw on screen. Those were, like, real places to him. Yeah. Right. And, uh... Yeah, that was the first. I, I, I think that's like, the first example of a game that really told like a real story, without. I mean, it, there was no dialogue. There was nothing in it, but it just like made people feel things. Not yeah. me personally, because I hated it, but <laughs> it made people feel like probably real a lot fear. Of people or probably playing it grew up in that time where they had drills exactly. and all of that stuff. That's and right. Yeah. So it yeah. was hitting so, home to them. Exactly. In those six cities, I mean, they could probably be picturing. You know, that could be me. <laughs> 
My yeah. city. Well, not me. Well, I mean, especially well, yeah. this guy Family sounds like he's Californian. So he is. He is from yeah. California. So yeah. So he was. He was picturing like six cities in California: yeah. just Northridge, yeah, right. Santa Clarita. You know what I mean? Like he had like real places in mind when he was doing this. Mm-hmm. By the way, his name is Dave Thur. Dave called it. Yeah, I said. I said Derek. Yeah. Started with a D. But yeah. you're right. in the, the right ballpark. Yeah. D. Yeah. I mean, I mean, that, that's one of the things. There, there are some games that have had effects on me like that, where it's like it. The feeling of it, like, stays with you for a long time. Like, off the top of my head, the two that are both recommendations from Ryan was Braid and Limbo. Like, I... Yeah, I mean, I've, I've played games that have... Like, I've, I've put the controller down after, and I've just sat there for a while. Just yeah. like, oh, man. Like, Braid was definitely one of those. Uh, Valiant Hearts was oh, Valiant Hearts. one for me. I, yeah, yeah, yeah. I had a real hard time after that game was over, actually. Uh, also, Spec Ops The Line. I know you never played that. Yeah. But, uh... Spec Ops Alliance is the shooter that makes you feel like I should have played that shooter because normally I don't play shoot like army shooters. I'm not really into that, but yeah, it's like it's like it's, you're on the surface. It's a very yeah. just like Call of Duty military shooter type of game, but there's a lot of things that you do in the game that really makes you question a lot. Yeah, but, but it makes you que- the game makes you question violence and the fact that in video games we are so easily to move towards violence as a solution, mm-hmm. whereas there's other ways. Like for example, in the game, there's a, a, a chance where there's like a like a civilians that are like move on you that might harm you, right. and most people are just like, well, shoot them, right? Shoot the civilians. Yeah. But but then there's actually options where if you shoot the sky, they'll scatter. Like there's other ways to stop the situation from, from becoming violent without using violence yourself. Actually, there's a I don't know where I read this, but there there basically the the one thing that I took away from it is the only way to to really be the hero of Spec Ops Alliance is to stop playing. Yeah, you can't get through that game and get to the end and feel good about yourself. Mostly because the game keeps telling you. You're a shitty person for doing all those things. <laughs> oh man, yeah, and it's yeah, it's rough because afterwards you're like, oh, why do we just? How come that's always the solution in every video game? They're all just these. I mean, they're not all. There's a lot of really good video games, but yeah. that genre in particular has. It, yeah, it, it kind of comes down to also media in general. I and mean, this is not the topic for today, but I mean, just media in general often focuses on violence as a solution to things, whereas there's very little focus on other aspects of yeah, and it, conflict resolution. I think that comes a lot from just oh, we need to have conflict in game or something for people to do so let's just shoot people but uh yeah braid was another one that i think braid and spec ops the line for me were two video games that sort of make you look at video games yeah definitely also i'm not gonna spoil the ending of braid all i'm gonna say is braid is a game it's like a mario game almost but it plays with time a lot and there's a lot of kind of vague mysterious clues about what the story is about it's about like this guy who might be trying to save a princess no no no. they at, at the beginning the whole time you're playing the game you have a very pretty pretty like oh this is like mario yeah yeah go into a castle they reveal more as you go yeah yeah to just as you play the game though and you start to realize what the story is i'll say this at the end the last level when we ryan and i played it we we had a oh shit moment like we just actually stopped and like stared at the screen and watched what happened in gameplay like not even like cutscene. we're playing the game and we're starting to realize what's happening, and we're like, oh, my God, this is not happening. That was a pretty sweet moment, actually. It was, it was one of the <laughs> yeah. earliest moments. Yeah, you know what's that... funny? Talking about Braid, that was one of the articles I wrote for Game Pop. I that was. Braid. That yeah. was. He wrote yeah. about Braid. Yeah. <laughs> and it, it was aptly titled Learning, Learning to, to Braid. braid. Yeah. yeah, that's right. <laughs> Can I say that it's, it's very clever. kind mm-hmm. of – it's clever, but it's also – Stupid. Yeah. <laughs> it was fucking I terrible. I know. <laughs> I know. I wrote it. I know. I look back on it, and I'm like – 
<laughs> Jesus. But it's uh, memorable, right? Because yeah. you, you know, well, you're able to try in learning to braid. I mean, memorable for me because I wrote it and I'm ashamed <laughs> of it. <laughs> <laughs> so okay, so far though, we made a list of games for the listener to go. Yeah, home if and, you have never played yeah. braid or limbo or oh, I mean yeah. limbo, limbo. Limbo is special to me. Was special to you, even yeah. more so than to me. Because Limbo's, I mean, you just start playing Limbo. It's another game where you just start playing. Right. But you've heard of it, right? Yeah. You just they just throw you in. Yeah. There. Limbo is. Have you played it, Courtney? Limbo's yep. a game. I'm assuming. Are you just a not a not really a gamer? The games that I've played. Yeah. Um, Mario Kart. No. I hope I, you play. Oh. I never played Mario Kart. Uh oh. Um, <laughs> I know. Ryan. Ryan's. Ryan's, I did the thing. Ryan's doing a noose thing. Yeah. <laughs> well, let me say this for videos. My mom would not let us have a gaming system in the house. So right. Catherine, up, we come did, on. We didn't have it. Is her name really Catherine? Yeah, it is. Yes. Oh, okay. <laughs> so um, we would only get to play video games like if you went over to my uncle's place because he had it, or right. my cousin because he had it, or friends or whatever. Um, but every once in a while, because you could back in the day when Blockbuster was around, you could rent oh, a game hey. system. Oh, yeah. yeah. Shout so out to every, Blockbuster. every once in a while, my mom would let us rent a system, and we'd have it for the weekend, and then it would go back. So that was about it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but then once we finally got systems, like the games I played were like Disney's uh, based off the, of the movie um, – What's the one with the law? Oh, uh, Emperor's New Groove. Okay. Oh, okay. <laughs> that one. And uh, Disney, car- Disney Racing, we played that, my brothers and sisters and I. Um, I did love Sonic. I played Sonic. Of course. But okay. never, really got, never really Sonic. got into like, the story video games that you guys are talking right. about. Let me say this, by the way. There was a time where, because right now Disney games are kind of like, yeah, it's not really. I mean, they've been like that for a while. But there was a dude, time, dude. they used to be good. They Aladdin. Were, yeah. Dude, Aladdin, Aladdin was... Lion King, Toy Story. Oh, Those yeah. three Toy Story was good. Yeah. I did play good. Toy Story. But legit... yeah, Emperor's, know, New, of course, Emperor's New Scrooge. Groove was good. And uh, Tarzan. Oh, yeah. DuckTales. Yeah. DuckTales game, yes. DuckTales. Duck that's yeah. a Scrooge game, yeah. That's right, DuckTales. Yeah. Uh, well, Limbo, I mean, the reason why it was special to me was it was a story. You start playing. You're like in a purgatory type situation. You're just mm-hmm. playing. But you're just like this nameless boy who's looking for a sister. And like that was literally when I came back from Sri Lanka after like meeting my family. And so oh, it was like man. really like personal to me to see another yeah. character do the same thing. It was like mind-blowing. Oh. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, um, so Limbo, Braid. Um, Spec Ops, the line. The thing about Spec Ops is I, I recommend people play it. It's not very fun. Yeah. It's not, and I, I think it's on purpose that it's right. not very fun, honestly, because it's it's not like you don't feel good shooting people. It's not like... Yeah, it makes you feel bad. In, in Call of Duty or like other games like that, they make the mechanic really smooth of shooting. So you feel like, oh man, that was like a really good headshot or whatever. You don't feel any of that playing Spec Ops. You're just like, ah, oh, this kind of sucks. Like, not, You don't feel bad shooting necessarily until it starts making you feel bad. But just the act of like using the weapon and stuff, you're just like, this is not a very good feeling mechanic. Yeah. But uh, I think that's on purpose because the message isn't, oh, you're a hero for shooting all these people. It's, you're a terrible person for doing all of this. <laughs> <laughs> Even though you start the game thinking that's what you're supposed to do. Take right. my money. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, also, Valiant Hearts, I would yeah, say. Yeah, yeah. If, if, if you haven't played Valiant Hearts. You should, yeah. You should, and you should be prepared to be really upset, actually. It's one of feel the few, a lot. You'll feel a lot. Yeah. It's one of the few games focusing on World War One, and it's basically an adventure story, basically, from the perspective of four different characters experiencing this story, and it's like it's the tragedy also, of it. Some of it is based on letters, yeah. real letters that people sent to their oh, families wow. and stuff yeah. in, yeah, in World War One. so... It's pretty rough. Yeah, and there's no shooting, so it doesn't glorify violence at all. Right. It's very much an adventure game. You're trying mm-hmm. to, like, you know. It's like puzzle platform, puzzle I guess. Pl- yeah, like you solve platform. little puzzles and stuff yeah. like that. Yeah, it's, I mean, I got through the game in 
like a few hours. It didn't take yeah. very long at all. Yeah. Um, oh, The Last of Us, I guess, oh, is another yeah, one. Yeah. To, yeah. Have you played The yes. Last of Us? I was fortunate enough. That I, actually, I finished it a couple months ago, actually. No spoilers. Same here. Yeah, it. he hasn't played it yet. Oh, you haven't played it? I, oh. I've owned it since I had a PlayStation two years ago. Never played it. Oh, well, you should yeah. definitely do You definitely need yeah. to. Do it. You know what um, I've noticed about video games also is a storytelling medium anyway, and I feel like I'm taking up a lot of the <laughs> whatever. But uh, there's there's a couple different ways that t- they tell stories, right? So there's the very linear movie book-ish kind of storytelling where it's, these characters are their own people. They're doing their own thing, and you're just kind of like along for the ride. That's Last of Us. You don't make any choices. You don't really do. You don't have that much input other than moving just, around, doing stuff. Yeah, directing yeah. the characters through the story. But the reason you get so invested is because you're, it's a really it's like a long adventure, and you're really involved with what's happening to them. So you start to care about them. That's true. Yeah. Then there's other ones like Mass Effect, where they give you choice, and you choose sort of like what happens. So, you, so you're really attached to the characters because of the because fact you're that they the were character. your choice. Yeah, you're the character. Yeah, you're your choices. choices. Yeah. Uh, and then there's also games that I've had like pretty interesting story things happen, but there is no story in the game. So like things like Ark or yeah, uh, I guess those, those Minecraft. Are the, those are the kind thing. that actually Ryan and I have really great adventures when it comes to playing games like this because we we're really good at making up our own stories. Tokyo Jungle. <laughs> Tokyo Jungle. Tokyo Jungle. <laughs> we I think Tokyo Jungle was one of my favorite gaming experiences. <laughs> yeah. Ever, basically, only because to- it's we we had so many <laughs> epic stories in that game, and all it was was us running around Tokyo as Different a chihuahua animals. and <laughs> deer, a deer, <laughs> trying to survive, yeah. making generations of puppies and trying to like yeah. yeah. That game, if you've never played Tokyo Jungle and you have a yeah. friend to play it with, you, you, should. you should play with a friend because it's not as fun alone. Um, yeah, I'm basically just playing different animals. Chihuahuas, Pomeranians, okay. tigers, lions, alligators, whatever animal. And you're just trying to survive in Tokyo. Basically, the, huh. the, the story is story very loosely. Yeah, right. Uh, it's something happened. All the people are dead. All the animals have escaped out of the zoo or the jungle. Jungle's coming back. Or gotten out of their yeah. houses. Hence the Pomeranians. Yeah. Did, to try to survive. Dude, the yipping storm. Dude, the yipping storm <laughs> there was... was, a, there was a, Ryan's Pomeranian at one point went to an alley of, like, cats. Like, hundreds of cats took over an alley, and Ryan just killed all of them <laughs> to the point where... I didn't, I didn't do it, like, because I wanted to. They attacked me. They attacked. So, okay. Okay. so self-defense. Right. Yeah, yeah. Right. But, but the thing was, like, some of those cats did survive. Some of those they ran cats away. survived but and they ran away. But we made a joke that, dude, at some they point... They told tales. They told tales of Ryan, <laughs> the yipping storm. And it happened, like, during a rainstorm at yeah. night. It was, it was, it was oh, pretty epic. It was epic up. level. So, dude, there, there was Generations one, of dude, cats There was another the story. There was another story where, um, I don't know if it, whether it was me or Ryan playing, but there was a, there was a beagle. He was the last was of his generation. Listen, if there was ever an animal who survived by himself, it was probably me. I was always the caretaker animal. I was the deer. I was, like, looking after Ryan. But... Um, basically, at one point, Ryan was playing a beagle, the last of his litter, the last of a generation. I think I was playing a deer who looked after the beagles, and he Even died. Even you died. Dude, Even... this beagle was, like, 20 years old. Too. He yeah. was really he was old. He was beagle. Because wow. you, you die of old age in this yeah. game as well. So, like, part of the... One of the mechanics of the game is you have to, like, find a mate, and you make another generation, generation. that you start playing when your yeah. your character dies. Right. But he was I too didn't old. find a mate. Yeah. And I was too old to mate at this point. So yeah. when you get past a certain age... You're just, like, constantly dying. Your health yeah. is starting to you're, drop because you're old and you're dying. Right, you're degenerating. Yeah. Right. So we decided that 
we're going to let this beagle, who's the last of his generation, go out with style. And we had Ryan take the beagle to lion territory where there's <laughs> oh lions. My. And we thought, okay, there's a lion sleeping right there. We thought we'll attack the lion. Lion will kill the beagle. And this beagle somehow I kill killed him. the lion. <laughs> and we were, like, blown away. And then we're like, dude, this beagle, this is the beagle of legend. I think that's what we called him, the beagle of legend. And so we had him go further into lion territory. Mm-hmm. And then, dude... More lions started coming. Lion cubs. Ryan killed like five lion cubs and another lion <laughs> before like Dude, seven it took, lions. It took like seven lions <laughs> cornering me in their den to like finally oh, kill this it beagle. Was, and, wow. the, and the last, I think, epic thing I remember from the game was at one point we got into a fight with a pack of wolves. It was like me and him, the deer, and the. We loved playing the deer and the beagle or the deer and the, the dog. You know why I think we like that so much is because it's such an unassuming yeah. pair. Like it's like, oh, these just little. Yeah. You, you know what they felt like? It always felt to me like you, you see those videos on like YouTube of like two weird best animal friends. Yeah, friends. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right, it was yeah. a deer and a dog. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, what happened was we accidentally got into a fight with a bunch of wolves. They started attacking. We're running away because we can't fight back. And all of a sudden, out of nowhere, there was like, I don't know what it was, like a, uh, alligators. Alligators were there. And we're like, oh, snap. So the alligators and the wolves started fighting. And then like another animal came. I think it was like hyenas or something like that. Some other animal came. They started fighting. Right. And we're like, dude, what's going on? And then some like can- oh, no, boars, wild boars came. And they started <laughs> fighting. So there was like a four-way fight. And me and Ryan like, dude, we got to get out of here. We're on top of a building on rooftops. And this is happening. So we're running away from this like four-way fight. And the funniest thing happens as we're leaving. Like six hippos are walking <laughs> in a line. They're walking in a line towards the war zone, and we're like, "Dude, this is the battle of five armies! Like, what is going on in this game?" We should it's, play that again, it was dude. It was. Just come, yeah, we'll play it again. Huh. Tokyo anyway, right. yeah, Tokyo Jungle. Uh, Courtney, what do you uh, what do you got All for right. us? Um, so I kind of came by this story in a weird way. I was trying to look up stuff on video games because, as you guys have seen, I'm not really a video game person. <laughs> That's okay. Um, but uh, I started typing in stuff, and, you know, like, fun facts about, you know, I really liked Mario Brothers and Sonic, so I started off there, and then I'm like, then it got into secret messages in games. Oh. Um, but then eventually it led me to this, about this group of guys that got together, and they became known as the Bozeman Think Tank. Okay. I've oh. never heard of that. Bozeman yeah. Think Tank. I don't know where this is going. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And they were, um, well, according to this, it's more anecdotal, so I don't know how true this is, um, but just how they basically kind of figure out a way to beat Ms. Pac-Man, because when Ms. Pac-Man came out, there was, like, no way to really beat it. Okay. Um, so... In what way? Huh. I did not I thought you just beat that. the levels, and you just keep progressing, right? Well, I'll get to it. Oh, okay. When, when's All right, cool, cool. You're jumping the gun a bit. <laughs> <All> <laughs> <right>. <laughs> Um, so an article was written about them. It, this appeared in um, 1984 of the, um, this magazine called Computer Games. Um, and so what it started off it's with saying was... a great name. Computer Games. Computer Games. Games. <laughs> Listen, man, almost, 80s. As, almost as good as learning Think about this, though. Think about this, though. I mean, back in those days, it was all like new technology and yeah. stuff like that. So it's like Computer Games, the magazine. Yeah. yeah. Well, there's some other stuff that I was reading to. I'm like, Wow. There's a bunch of nerds, but, you know, it works. You know, like, so these guys in particular, but then other people with the different things that they've done. I mean, like, they were, like, you know, video game rock stars, you know, for what they yeah. were able to do. So, like, Pac-Man, when that came out, people were able to figure out how to beat it, how to get the highest score possible. So, that means, that's what it means by beating it, just, like, getting the highest score okay. possible. Okay, like maxing your score. Yeah. Basically maxing, getting exactly. The, okay. It was the age of arcades where the top score was, like, godhood. Exactly. Yeah. And reading about this, it reminded me of the movie, um, which I had asked Ryan because I forgot the name of it, but the Adam Sandler movie, Pixel, oh, okay. where the opening yeah. scene is of them 
uh, competing against each other. Like, now I thought that was just something for the movie. Like, they just made that. No, I think this was real. Like, they, these, they actually had yeah. these competitions. They and did, things. yeah. The, the Wizard was yeah. like that, wasn't it? The movie The Wizard? Yeah. Kind of. But that reminds me of, like, the guy who was a champion for Donkey Kong, the king of Donkey oh, Kong. Oh, yeah. Yeah, the, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's, yeah, that's there's all a, There's a lot of know, stuff like yeah. that. I mean, there's speed run challenges. Yeah. There's yeah. people playing blindfold, and there's a lot of, like, crazy. Yeah, it's, I'm just like, yeah. okay. Yeah, yeah. You're right. Own. There's a lot of lore yeah. and mythos behind it. Yeah, I just, I didn't know it. So, so everyone kind of figured out how to beat Pac-Man because it was a matter of to beat that game or to get the highest scores about memorizing patterns. You mm-hmm. can figure out which way the ghosts were going and you just memorize how they were doing it and then you were able to you know get the pill and eat them and that helps get your score and, and all of that. Huh. Right. When Ms. Pac-Man came out, it was a different story. They, they weren't programmed. It said, I mean, in, in terms of patterns, they were programmed for randomness. There's no, oh. there no real pattern to just study and think about it. Huh. Um, so that kind of... You know, got people like, oh, maybe. You know, so Pac-Man, I, I think Ms. Pac-Man, and this is not anyone here, but just from my own whatever, um, is just I think a lot of people like Ms. Pac-Man more because of that. It was more challenging to them to that try to figure out. That actually explains a lot because I've always wondered why Ms. Pac-Man was way more popular than Pac-Man, yeah. like, like over yeah. and above exactly. more popular. Yeah. Um, so there's that. So one thing, people pretty early on kind of figured out one way to get through Ms. Pac-Man is to do this thing called grouping or you would try and group the ghosts together, mm. and then you would get them near a, a pill so you can oh, get, get it, and then yeah, you could yeah. get them real quick. So Dude, there's a lot of strategy in Pac-Man <laughs> yeah. that I yeah. never <laughs> There's knew moves, of. man. Yeah. There's like, That's like yeah. chaining, essentially, right? Yeah. Okay. Because the, yeah. the, the, the points would add up, because we'd go 200, 400, yeah. 800, and then so, 1,600 mm-hmm. eventually. Oh. Yeah, um, and so you, you get that. So, um, so, this, so this story starts in uh, the summer of 82, and it like start, all good stories. Like yeah, good <laughs> stories. Start it starts in the summer of 82. <laughs> summer um, and it starts with this guy uh, named Tom Asaki. And um, so he was he was playing it or whatever. He hadn't started grouping the ghosts just yet, but he was doing that. Then he has a friend named uh, Don Williams. And they go and they're just they're sitting at the arcade in, um, in Montana. And they're playing and they just watch each other. And that's how they're kind of figuring out and they start start getting their techniques together and all that stuff you know, they, and they say later on like you know the best way to, to learn to beat a game is to watch another person and True. They, you yeah. feed off of each other and, and all of that um, so then the final person to kind of complete the group but his name was Spencer Oren um, also from, from Bozeman and so they start they, they're all together they're playing the game they start sharing their techniques and all of that stuff uh, so they keep going on um, and then January of 83 they may, they decide to make it a group project that they're going to beat Ms. Pac-Man. Oh wow! So it's their their goal in life, I guess, <laughs> is to beat Ms. Pac-Man. Now I thought these guys were like younger, like teenagers, but I was doing some of the math. These guys are like in the early twenties at the time. At oh, the time, okay. Um, so they're doing this and everything. Um, and so yeah, their goal is to become the first, second, and third highest total scores ever recorded. That was their goal to do. Um, so they started doing that. There's another thing that they're saying is the basic move is to you find a hold position on the board where you can just go in one spot and the ghosts won't cross your path so you can just kind of stay there and that's maybe kind of a way to like pause the game if you need to go do something or whatever like you just go into that one spot and the ghosts can't get you what i didn't know that's possible (laughs) yeah that's your bathroom break really yeah Yeah, like if you're busy and you have to head out and this was on pac-man too and they didn't think it was on ms pac-man but they were able to figure out and other people too did figure out like where these hold positions were that's pretty cool um yeah 
And they're saying it's, it's, it's located in each in different locations on the four maze patterns of the game hmm. um, and, and everything like that. So, And then you eventually you could pop back into the game, and that's how you kind of started grouping the ghosts together mm-hmm. so then you can go after them and everything. Ah. So there is that. So they were doing this, but then the problem that they were running into is that um, once they got to the highest one, which was within the fourth maze, they didn't seem to be a hold position. And so they, were keep, they kept dying at that part. Mm. And so they couldn't get past it. And they seemed to have a lot of problem with the blue-green ghost. Like, that was, like, their nemesis. That would just <laughs> get them. Dude, <laughs> I Inky, forgot their names. Inky, Blinky, Pinky, and Sue. Yeah. Right. Dude, I don't know, how I don't know, I know those. <laughs> That's pretty good. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I remember Blinky name the seven dwarves. I think Blinky is the blue one because Inky is the Blinky red is one. Blinky is the blue one. P- and right. Sue is orange. Pinky is Pinky. So, yeah, right. I think it's Blinky. Blinky. Okay. Blinky. Blinky was the bane of their existence. Up, <laughs> no, you're right. But it's lost in translation with the Japanese one because they have actual meanings behind. Like, they, if they have they have a specific name that would detail how they actually move. I forget what. Oh, really? Like, one's like revenge and one's against, like, oh, dude. like one will get you in a corner. Now one we're will get into the history of it. I'm wrong, by the way. <laughs> wow. Inky is the blue one. Ah. The light blue one? The light blue one. Yeah, blue ghost. Who is Blinky? Blinky? Regular uh, blue, right? There's no regular blue. It's red. Or, pink, yeah, I'm thinking orange, of the. Uh, yeah. Reverse thing. I know Sue is, is orange. orange. Yeah. And Pinky is pink, obviously. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Anyway. Yeah. Cool. Okay. Yeah. So that that's kind of what they're going to. So then um, I don't have an exact date for this. And it, this kind of – I'm not sure where exactly this falls in, and I think this part might be wrong, but I'm just going to go with it and we'll say. Cause this, <laughs> this is what kind of motivates them, and this is where they get going. So at one point – this guy named Matt Brass meets up with them. And th- at this point... Um, rival. No, Challenger no, no, as a pro- no. I don't think he was a rival, but he came back. He just returned from the, the North American Video Olympics in Otoma, That Iowa. was a real Whoa. thing in the 80s. In the 80s, it's like Olympic... Like, it was like a real deal. Yeah, it was power a Power glove thing. situation. Yeah. Wow. You know what now they have instead of that is just like championships for individual games they don't really have a you know it is also right now uh, listen right now there's there's tournaments championships for pretty much every competitive game yeah but the thing is i think everything feels cheesier and better and kind of more olympic-y in the 80s because (laughs) it was new it was was like dude i can be an olympian for video games yeah radical radical tubular (laughs) throwing some words there (laughs) (laughs) so he comes back and he tells them well, he, according to this, he dropped a bombshell that apparently there are players that were grouping the ghosts on um, what they were calling junior boards, which is what they were having a problem with in terms of getting, I'm still not quite sure what a junior board is, but I know it's like the higher levels yeah. of huh. it. And so that's where they're having the problems. And this guy comes like, oh no, there's people, they're grouping the ghosts, they were getting these high scores, blah, blah, blah. But the, actually, that wasn't true. He, mis- he, he miscommunicated it to them. But it didn't matter. Because of that miscommunication... Those three guys, uh, Tom, Don, and Spencer, they're like, okay, now let's kick it into gear. We're going to do this. this We're going to fake exactly. (laughs) Montage. Montage. Yeah, yeah, just imagine that, like, the music going, and they're just, like, playing the game. I mean, so that's what really what it was. So because that, so they worked five days straight on the problem. Wow. Yeah, so they they did that. And so what they came on to is that Spencer is the one that – figured out one of the keys was that because you know how there's like those tunnels that you can go to the other side to the other side so Mm -hmm. he figured out that if you use those four tunnels you can start getting the ghosts to follow you and that's how you can group them and you can go after them and then um and also he figured out that the pink ghost who was pinky right Mm -hmm. okay so pinky it comes straight at you and you can position 
right, um, it was positioned to go in the same direction as you. And so he used all of that to his way of doing it was avoidance and grouping, and that's what he was doing, using the four tunnels and getting all of that. You know the difference is between these guys playing the game and us playing the game? When I play the game, it was survival. These guys <laughs> yeah. are yeah. hunting. They're yeah. hunting ghosts. I'm trying to just survive. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, it, it's great. So they, they did all of that, and then um, he was using them to do that, and then it was Tom who made the breakthrough and said, and he discovered finally a hold on the, the fourth maze. He figured Dude, out where that This is that, that last-minute moment where it's like the cha- like not the championship, but this is like the climactic moment. He's like, guys, 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 <laughs> I think I found a hold. Yeah. Yeah. Everyone runs over to the they, machine. They get their exactly. tang, and they're popping tang, oh trying to... <laughs> <laughs> so he would do that. He would group the three ghosts. Um, like he'd, a group well, high-five? <laughs> <laughs> he would uh, go into the hold, group three of the ghosts, and then he would go into a tunnel... And then while he was doing that, they would then wait for Sue, and then he'd be able to get all of them. So once they figured this out, they were soon achieving scores, like, in, you know, the 400,000 range, and they were, they were Dude, getting Dude, they made there. a breakthrough. Wow. Exactly. Yeah. And, it, and all of this I happened. hope this ends, by the way, with them taking on the Japanese team, because <laughs> that's the only way this has to end. <laughs> Well, I was doing a little bit more research, so their whole thing, they got, so one of the big... Um, Did I they guess, become the top one, two, and three scores? I think eventually, yeah. So the uh, reporting <laughs> the reporting thing, I guess, that kept track of all the scores, there was this magazine um, called Twin Galaxies. See, um, that's a much yeah. better name. <laughs> <laughs> so um, this Twin Galaxies was created in 1981, um, and it was by this guy uh, named Don something, I think. But anyway, he a lot, created... A lot of Dons in the 80s. I'm, I'm glad I'm not the only one who forgot a name. Yeah. No, I mean, it's all here. I just have to find nah, it. Nah, it's not there. But anyway, yeah. anyway he, he created Fail it after he uh, bought an arcade, and then he started recording the high scores, and he would actually then travel around to other arcades and start doing that. And so he he kind of built it up to become like the... This is the database for all the high scores. And oh, dude, that's back right. before the dude, internet, dude. Because in my mind, I was like, oh, he, he keeps a track of it on a website. No, there's no website. He's just, yeah, he's, he's, just he's doing Johnny it. Apple seeding it up, just he's finding just those high scores. volumes and, yeah. and files of, of high scores. Well, they had their first um, competition. Um, they invited pl- top players from North Carolina and California, and it based off in the California Challenges North Carolina All-Star Playoff. Wow. Um, Cal- uh, California Very beat North name. Carolina yeah. uh, 10 to 7. Yeah, go Cali. So <laughs> they did that. Um, but I, as I was doing more, and then I had a thing from here from the, one of the actual guys, Tom Asaki. He kind of gave his remembrance of all the events and everything. And what he was saying was that, yes, Twin Galaxies was using all that, but they had a lot of people saying that they had these scores, but really they didn't. So there, so he, according to him, he thinks that really they were the first ones to get these top scores, um, because and then oh. um, and Twin Galaxies they were going through a period right when they were kind of playing they were trying to make it more official, and so like he would have to play this they would they'd all be playing this game they'd have to have um, verification forms and witnesses oh, so they could submit it to them and be like no I did it and so he when they beat when they got the high scores. He did it and everything, and then he had to be interviewed by somebody there, and then he had to go out and meet another person, and they're like, all right, play the game for me, and so he did, and they're like, okay, that's good, yeah, I think you're for real, you know, and all of that. Um, Things were legit in the 80s, They, not they like wanted now. to make sure, so like, there, there was controversy around the scores. <laughs> Like, it's, it, now it's just like, Photoshop, that's yeah. Photoshop, <laughs> Pixar didn't happen. 
<laughs> yeah, I have from his thing from Tom Asaki. He posted some stuff about um, his world record. Is that a leaderboard? Kind of on your paper. <laughs> it is. Wow. <laughs> He's missing some of the information because he said that he just moved or whatever. This was written oh, back he's in two thousand nine, um, but he dropped. Yeah. But what was funny, in one of the articles I was reading at the end of it, this was from Spencer Oren, and he wrote, "You know, thank you for purchasing our manuscript on Ms. Pac-Man." So they wrote a whole manuscript on how to beat the game, like all of their stuff. Um, and then you know, it's like at points you may be confused. So if you if this is the case, give me a call. And he actually put out his phone number. Wow. Um, and everything. But that's what, a very different time. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. What kind of made me sad though was um, there's an editor's note, and apparently Spencer died in 1992. Oh man. He was a young guy when he died. But um, and then there's another thing from Don Williams just saying, you know, thank you for all the letters. You know, we're great. Everything is good. Thank you for all your curiosity. He's like, P.S., if Tom were with us, I'm sure he would have something to say, but he is lost somewhere in the Twilight Zone, parentheses, California. (laughs) Keep in touch. So I don't know how much these guys are actually still in touch with each other, but they were, at one point, the the Bozeman Think Tank. Listen, the Bozeman Think Tank, they came together. They did this one great thing. They took down the Japanese team, and they became (laughs) champions. Freeze frame. Fist up, yeah. Fist up. And then we did it, and then... To follow that up, he uh, Tom was saying in his uh, thing. So after they got all of the high scores, they did travel around and they were showing people their techniques so he can get them to learn it. So eighties, like travel around, show your joystick skills. What I like is the way, dude. And you know, you know, he walked. They walked into like a bunch of arcades, and some guy was like. This guy thinks he's good. I'll show you good. Yeah. And then it's like, dude, do you know who that is? That's Tom. You can't be better than him. Like, there was like a whole... Pretty much, yeah. Well, he wrote, he's like, the job of the Bozeman think tank was done. We had helped show the way. That's exact his exact words. Wow. So, anyway, so that's kind of about, you know, as the, you know, the Bozeman think tank pioneers of Ms. Pac-Man. Nice. Pretty cool. Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, that is also <laughs> one of the most '80s stories. Yeah, it is. Dude. Yeah, <laughs> I can see a movie about this. Like, I mean, not I'm, a great I, movie, but no, like, no, no. you know. You know what, though? Not now. I don't want there to be a modern day. Yeah. Like, oh, let's show an, a movie about this thing. No, 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 no. They had to have made this movie in the '80s. Oh yeah. Because I don't want. It wouldn't be '80s this. enough for yeah. me. Yeah, it's that artificial '80s. Exactly. I can taste it. It's artificial. <laughs> yeah. Synthetic. Yeah. <laughs> Well, Kent, what about you? What do you got for today? Oh, okay. Um, since you brought that up, mm-hmm. uh, my topic today is on Mega Man. I'm sure our listeners are yeah. pretty well familiar with Mega Man, the Blue Bomber, as he's known, um, at least in the States. Yeah. Rockman um, in the Japan. Rockman in Japan, right. Yeah. But then, interesting story, now that but you bring Mega that Man up. in our hearts. <laughs> <laughs> Even though lately Capcom hasn't been releasing any more Mega Man games, but I'm sure he'll have a time in the limelight at one point, hopefully. But Smash Bros. I mean, that's kind of Smash Bros. That's is, true. I just yeah. kind of wish that Nintendo would just buy him. You know, just have him as a property yeah. at one point. Yeah. But anyway, back Definitely. to the back to the topic. But yeah, as you mentioned, that he's known as Rock Band. So I just kind of like to throw out some FYIs for some people who are interested on in the history of Mega Man. Just a little taste of it before coming up with an official name in Japan. Um, Keiji and Afuni was coming up with certain names. One of them was like Battle Kid, Mighty Kid, <laughs> Knuckle Kid. <laughs> Even at one point... Knuckle Kid, <laughs> one of his arms is a gun. Yeah. <laughs> right? Yeah. I guess he packs a punch. Maybe it was I don't like, know. like a joke. Like, huh, Knuckle Kid. He's got one big knuckle. It's meant to be ironic. Right? Yeah. <laughs> he punches irony. you from like 100 like, feet away. 
<laughs> exactly. Exactly right. But then, as everyone is familiar that with the whole trope with Mega Man, you beat a robot master and you get his abilities, and therefore he changes colors. So one of the names was thought of to be Rainbow Warrior Miracle <laughs> Kid at one point. Rainbow Warrior Mil- Miracle, Miracle Kid. Kid. Yeah. And then even at the point... The Battle Rainbow Rockman. Listen, I want you guys to know that probably sounds better in Japanese. <laughs> That's true. Battle Rainbow lost. Rockman. <laughs> okay, so not not really. Not much, <laughs> not much better. <laughs> but in the end, they went with Rockman, and obviously, yeah. I'm sure everyone probably knows that Rockman was connotation with music influence. Right. The Mega Man series very heavily influenced okay, with music. Mega Man has some of the sickest music of any franchise of yeah. ever. Yeah. yeah, I mean, you hear all those remixes, arrangements, yeah. especially go to ocremix.com and you, have, you see a whole list of Yo, them. Shout out to OC Remix. That's, That's right. Where we, That's our where music from. Overclock Remix, yeah. 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 Exactly. So, and then... We almost used a Mega Man song, actually. Chill oh, Penguin, no. remember? Oh, yeah, Chill Penguin's level. Yeah, we're going to use that. Ooh, that's a good one. Yeah. Okay. But um, where should I go from here? Oh, well, now that we have a little bit of history, I guess if anyone is familiar or played with the games... Everyone knows that Mega Man is known to be really hard because it's a lot yeah. of issues of memorizing patterns, how to traverse the pitfalls and traps, and then also the uh, just once you run out of lives, start all over. Yeah, exactly. Start all over again. Exactly. So to touch upon that whole struggle, that inner gamer struggle, on the internet there was this website on a Japanese site called Nico Nico where they submit like original uh, content, like videos and. Um, animations this one user called serami karatutitan or otherwise known as sera for short uploaded a original song called airman ga taosenai which means i can't beat airman <laughs> Dude, actually i've heard i've heard stories of how infamously hard airman is actually i think it can be i yeah. mean if you don't have the right tools right so the whole idea was that it's it was a ballad uh you know signifying how difficult it is to play mega man it t- talks about how you know, I could beat Airman if I had only just gotten, you know, this um, specific weapon, which was Woodman's Leaf Shield. But since he can't do it, he's having a difficult time trying to beat Airman. Um, but the whole idea was that it started off as a funny thing to just submit online. But then later, a week later, another group decided, hey, we can make our own take on it. So there was a group called Nyan Nyan, or otherwise known as Team Nekokan, or basically, um, I guess it would be translated as Cat Can. So to speak. These guys have a lot of AKAs, also known as blah, yeah. also known as blah. Right, exactly. Also known as JoJo, or just like something like <laughs> exactly, right? really short. <laughs> right, exactly. So they uploaded this new or this group, Nekokan, uploaded their version on Nico Nico on June seventh, two thousand seven. This one video got over almost one million views, and the song would eventually be uploaded again officially by the actual group. Because first it was just a vocalist who just decided to do it on his own. And then he talked it with the group and decided, hey, you know what? This is a big kid. We should actually make it a big official thing. So it was later uh, uploaded and then printed out on, I guess, on YouTube back in July 1st of 2007. Uh, has anyone seen the video or heard of it? No. At this point? Can't no. say I have, no. No? Okay. Well, if you do a quick search on YouTube, it's, well, at least famously known with the great animation, talks about the struggles of how, um, you know, you can't defeat uh, certain robot masters. Think of it this way. It got so popular that within, I guess you could say, after 2007, the group decided to make an album out of this one, <laughs> a single album on Ergman Gatao Senai. This title, at least in Japan, and I guess also here in the States, it's so popular that other people have made their own versions of it, whereas someone can say, like, I can't beat the X series. Or, oh, okay, okay, okay. Yeah, oh, yeah. So they just evolved yeah. it into, I can't beat 
such and such it. thing yeah. of Mega Man. Right, Mega Man's exactly. So I Basically, the moral of the story is <laughs> nobody can beat anything in Mega Man. <laughs> it became mimetic. Right. Yeah. And so, I mean, the one that I'm most familiar, or I guess what came familiar with, is the, the animated version on YouTube, the Team NekoCon, where actually the Tetsu Cross Neko uh, version where they had Dude, a custom remix. What, what is Tetsu Cross Neko? <laughs> I don't know. That's the, oh. that's what they called themselves in the, in oh, the group. Oh, yeah. that's the name of the group. That was a game. I was like, I've never heard no, of this no, game. No, no, This was another <laughs> compilation. So okay. um, essentially that they released this version at a convention, Comic Cat convention during August 2008. Then eventually this same song be- was be- uh, became a ringtone in Japan. It became so popular that in the Japanese ringtone charts, I didn't even know that existed. It was. It exists in Japan. I, I can see that. I can see that. If it, there's any place with a ringtone chart, <laughs> right? It apparently reached the 15th place at least for the first half of 2008. That's so it's pretty popular for a video game remix. Billboard charts. Yeah. <laughs> right. And then the popularity doesn't even end there. Um, I'm sure everyone's familiar. Hopefully, you might have heard that uh, the Mega Man series also has a comic. Yeah, 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 I think like by Archie Comics. Right, right. Like it's an ongoing by Archie situation. Comics. Right. Archie does Sonic and they do Mega Man. Right, and That's they like did a crossover eventually, oh, yeah. the Sonic Mega Man crossover. Yeah. So the reference. I want to make this point really quick though. I I didn't read the Mega Man comics. I've read the Sonic comics, and I think I, I know you have. I don't know if you guys have. Did you guys ever watched the old nineties Sonic, Sonic TV show? The cartoon show, not the goofy one, but the serious Sonic cartoon. Which one, Underground or? I think I think that no, means no, no, no. he's watched it. M- maybe <laughs> it's, it's the one, no. It's not called Sonic. Under, it's just called Sonic the Hedgehog. But it's the one where it's like they're on Robotnik's planet, and oh, it's okay. like really sad. Like people are dying, kind of thing. Like, dude, that was that the comics that Archie do that Archie does is like that. It's like the really dark and really like legit. Like, do you remember sad. that? Like. While in the 90s when, like, every video game had a TV show yeah, and they were true. always dude, really terrible. Dude, yeah. <laughs> Mortal Kombat. Do you remember the, how they crossed over? Mortal Kombat crossed over Street Fighter. Yeah. Who crossed over with Wing Commander. <laughs> like, wh- why? <laughs> and then your favorite, the Zelda one. Well, excuse me, <laughs> oh, princess. Right. When Link would talk and he just... Yeah. Like, <laughs> oh, boy. Or Super Mario where they sounded way Super, Super too, Mario way Power too, Hour or yeah. something like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry, continue. No, it's all good. It's all good. I get pretty nostalgic about the 80s and 90s. I'm not going to lie. I mean, mean, relating with the 90s, we had the big superpower fighting robot, Mega Man. I mean, yeah, the cartoon show. And that cartoon show, Mega Man X meets Mega Man. That's right. You're absolutely right. Do you remember that episode? No. Dude, (laughs) did you watch that cartoon, though? No. Super fighting robot, Mega Man. Yeah, dude. It was was bad. It was That was one I never watched. It was. So bad, actually. I'm not gonna lie. It was because you know that my problem with it was what? it was not true to Mega Man at all. Like it, it was no, really it no. yeah. Roll had a vacuum cleaner on her hand. Uh, yeah. Like her, <laughs> I mean, like they couldn't just make her like a normal girl robot. They made her vacuum cleaning girl <laughs> robot. Like we're that gonna, we're, you know feels... what? It's That's it's really gender <laughs> gender stereotyping like hardcore. Yeah. That is true. What I could mean, be her power? She cleans yeah. like all women should. <laughs> oh, oh, man. Yeah. Uh, but uh, going back, I guess, what was it? Oh, right, in the comics. So, again, this song was so popular that they even made a reference to it in issue number 11 for Mega Man saying, <laughs> where they have actually Mega Man fighting against Air Man. When Mega Man finally defeats him, he has a quote where it says, no, impossible, you can't beat me. And then that's when Mega Man deals a final blow. So it's transcended not only just becoming just one little oh, simple yeah. song, now becoming pop culture. It kind of reminds me of like the um, that one video with the X-Men with uh, the Juggernaut. Juggernaut. I was, I was thinking the same thing, dude. <laughs> do you guys remember that? How, I do. Um, yeah, in, in the X-Men 
three before the X Men three movie came out, there right. was a series of videos. Uh, it was called the Juggernaut Bitch videos, right? And basically, it's this guy who's voicing. I'm the Juggernaut bitch. Yeah. The juggernaut bitch. <laughs> Do you not know who I am? <laughs> yeah. And so X Men three referenced that exactly in the movie. Yeah, exactly. Right. Yeah. So it takes something. <laughs> yeah, just something simple, and then just transcends over time. Like there was even a game I never played it because I heard it was really bad. Rockman crossover where they tried to bring all like the Mega Man in one. It was a mobile. De- Oh, okay. uh, platform that they even use that same song for this one specific event the online event so <laughs> yeah airman got tells at night it's one of those things that just started something simple and then just blew up to like popularity just because they can reflect or the nostalgic memories of man i can't really that. or really also yeah it comes down to everyone was like huh me either man yeah, me yeah. Either. i can't beat anybody in this game <laughs> <laughs> you know I, I love that about old video games where I feel like you're saying in new video games because we have the internet, right. it's really easy to like discuss while you're playing with yeah. players online. But here's the thing: old video games before the internet, I feel like the frustrations we felt were so limited to our own experience that as we're adults and when we actually meet somebody who had the same experience, we're like, dude, like yes, I, yeah. it's like an instant connection. Like I've why, where you create the think tank. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's why people can just say, like, certain things, and everyone's like, oh, my God, yeah. like, Donkey Kong Country minecart level. Yeah. Everyone's like, oh. Oh, right, yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's true. Or Rainbow yeah. Road. Rainbow Road and Mario Kart. Yeah. Oh, yeah. 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 yeah, yeah. I'm trying to think if I had, like, a really hard thing that I experienced, but I'm not going to lie. This is very much a niche thing. My – I played – all the top-down Zelda games, right? I, okay. I've, I've only started recently playing 3D Zelda Dude, games. Dude, this guy... Of, yeah. I'm, I mean, I, I, look, I'm a, We've been friends for how long? Like, almost 20 years. I mean, almost 20 years. Almost 10 years. <laughs> More than 10 years. 2008. Uh, no, 2007. 2007. Seven. Um, seven. So... Almost 10 years. Give okay. or take. 10 years. Yeah. He never had... He had never played Ocarina of Time, and I'd be, yeah. like, talking about Zelda, oh. and he was always like, oh, I mean, like, I liked... Like, you listen, know... Listen, listen I, I mean, I thought of myself as a huge Zelda fan. Like, right. I played... Most of the top-down Zelda's. That's the thing. I've never, I, I never owned the 3D consoles at the time when the Zelda games came out, so I never played them. So it's because of Ryan that I've started to play the 3D games. Okay. I played Ocarina so far, and I the next game I'm playing is Majora, which Ooh, I need that's to a get good to. one. Majora, Ryan told me many times that is the that is the Noosh game. Like that is Noosh's Zelda. Yeah, I mean, like for me, Ocarina was more. I mean, I loved Majora's Mask, but Ocarina was like my yeah. thing, I guess. But just, like, the way Majora's Mask plays and, like, the story and everything, I feel like it's definitely the... Yeah. It's your thing. It's definitely I, I, a fish-out-of-water kind of feel when you play that one. It's very that, different. You know, yeah, it's, like, creepy, and mm-hmm. I think it's very um, atmospheric, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. The thing about, also, just the whole video game thing, the, like, me and Ryan's experience with Zelda, and I think I want to reference Mass Effect 2 with this one, but, like, I love the fact that with some games, especially... You your experience is so entirely different than somebody else that it's almost like wow I can't believe you and I have we have similar emotions toward it because I have strong feelings toward Zelda but my strong feelings come from a very isometric top down perspective <laughs> <laughs> because because when I played Ocarina like Ryan is very nostalgic about some of the scenes and moments and music and places in Ocarina and I'm also nostalgic that about music. those same music same stuff like like he's right for example Ka- Kakariko Village in Legend of Zelda for him is Ocarina of Time, Kakariko Village. Huh. For me, it's linked to the past, Kakariko Village, where it's got that little like top-down like uh-huh. you know windmill and stuff. I don't know. It's like for me, it's a totally different Kakariko Village. Like uh-huh. I don't know. It, it's just 
I'll Same say this. thing with Mass Effect also. Mass Effect, like, because Mass Effect's very, very customizable, you're playing different characters. I mean, Ryan's experience was so entirely different than mine, right. down to the point that he, when he chose his Shepard, when he chose his character Shepard, you, you were biotic, right? Yeah, I was a man who might be out of bullets, but yeah. never out of options. That's, that's how I describe it. <laughs> a man out of bullets, but never out of options. My, my character uh-huh. was a pure soldier. My perspective on the entire universe of Mass Effect is I'm not a biotic. I don't have powers. I'm just a regular guy. I'm an ordinary man. You know what's really funny about extraordinary this world. Is- is Noosh is notoriously yes. bad at shooting yes. video oh, games. Oh, boy. I am And he chose, he chose bad. the one class <laughs> where all you can do is it's fucking shoot. Yeah. Like, uh. you can't do anything else, and he's Listen, terrible at it. My, like, the, me and Ryan and my experiences in playing shooters, we've played multiplayer shooters for, for years. Yeah. And over, not even in one game, multiple games, I am notorious for doing this thing where I have, like, a rocket, some kind of, like, an instant kill weapon, uh-huh. and I will miss at point-blank range. I will shoot it above, <laughs> but through their legs. Through I'll miss. Ground. I will kill myself. Oh, I will miss every time. And the weird thing about that whole thing, of me being a terrible shooter and terrible like rocket launcher kind of person is I'm a really great sniper for some reason <laughs> which doesn't make any sense that's interesting right I mean would you say that I'm a pretty you're alright <laughs> I'm yeah. just kidding yeah, is it yeah. because listen, of the scope listen at least, at least compared to the rest of your <laughs> shooting you're you're very good yeah I, I will never know scope man I need the scope you need the scope okay you're a far-sighted shooter <laughs> yeah. yeah I think yeah I think it really is that that he just that like, could be it when yeah. you zoom in yeah as long as you're zooming in in the general direction of something, that guy's like way bigger. So no, I can I can shoot anywhere now. <laughs> <laughs> a boosted confidence. I'll tell you this, Ryan. Look, like I, I miss us playing multiplayer shooters only because of just the funny, ridiculous dude. Situations. I think I think about Spireflyer yeah, and uh, all those other moments. <laughs> yeah. often and fondly. One of my Ryan, and I, I'm like I, I want to share this before we go on. Sure. Uh, Continue. I'm sorry, I interrupt, interrupted you, but like one of my favorite stories in halo reach it was reach right mm-hmm. it was reach is there's a map a multiplayer map called spire mm-hmm. where there's a giant tower and when you're doing capture the flag the, the the flag is on top of the spire and the attacking team is on the bottom you have to scale it defending teams at the top and you know there's helicopters there's ships to get up there right. you can take the elevators multiple ways our team just rushed in to take the elevator to get up there somehow ryan and i had a plan and we we planned this out we 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 practiced it but we've never pulled it off but basically the plan is i'm piloting dude i'm smiling just thinking <laughs> yeah, about dude. how ridiculous this was <laughs> it, was a, it was bonkers dude we had a helicopter and I, my, the whole thing was okay i'm piloting the helicopter ryan gets in i fly to the top of the spire where the inside is where the flag is right. and also the team in there has like machine gun turrets. Yeah. They have stuff to just they have stuff to, like, obliterate you. you. That's why no one ever flies no one, up there. Yeah, gotcha. So okay. I flew up to the top and I just par- I, I didn't park. I just hovered at the edge of the the thing. Ryan gets out and he jumps onto the tower uh-huh. and he goes in by himself and fights like five guys or and something. And you flew away. No, no, I, I stayed outside. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, you flew. Enough away to not get yeah, shot. Yeah, yeah. Well, I'll tell my part of it. But Ryan, his whole thing was he had to fight like a million guys to get that flag. Oh, Outside, boy. my whole thing is I'm just hovering a little bit close by, but not too close. Mm-hmm. My one thing I remember is one guy sees me. He walks outside the enemy team. He sees me. He's like, this guy's hovering in front of the spire, <laughs> not doing anything. So he runs at me to jump onto my helicopter and steal it. <laughs> so he jumps in the air, and I watch him jump in the air. And I just move my helicopter back <laughs> like a few feet, and he just falls like... 20 stories down to his death. <laughs> Eventually, Ryan comes out. And Ryan's got the flag. He's like three guys shooting at him right. to like get it. And here's the thing you have to know about this game. You can't get the flag and get in the helicopter. You can't. You can't be in a vehicle with the flag. You can't. Oh, so no. Ryan has to jump 
onto my helicopter and just land on like the wings and then we have to balance we have to basically i have to balance all going down wow. this, like flying down and ryan has to balance staying on and basically <laughs> dude we balance that, that's the practice part we balance it all the way down we just flew down towards like the beacon where we have to drop off the flag uh-huh. here's the funniest part we're flying down and we see at the beacon there's an enemy soldier guy and he's just this guy this player is just parked there uh-huh. he's got his gun ready waiting to shoot anybody who comes at the beacon with a flag right but he didn't realize we're flying <laughs> down on top of him with this helicopter and i saw him he looks up and he just has no time we just land right on top of him and i'm like ryan get out get out this guy starts to like get out from under the helicopter and try to like shoot us ryan circles around him and he drops the flag off the beacon we win so, you know the end of game stuff starts to roll right. ryan gets in the helicopter <laughs> and then this other dude who like gave up he's like oh i lost he gets in the helicopter and we all just fly away <laughs> it was it was like an amazing moment and you ride off into the sunset yeah. that's what i was just thinking <laughs> basically <laughs> sorry go Very on nice no <laughs> i mean that's the whole, I mean, the main gist of it. I mean, I guess a lot, uh, do you think our viewers can probably listen to it at one point, this video, or can we just send them a link? We can, we we can link it. Link on, can okay, link yeah. It. I mean, the if post. they just do, yeah, if they can just do a search of Erman Gatel Sidney, and then they can probably get the gist of it of what the main story is. Yeah. Um, but, I mean, in other words, I guess other fun facts in relation to Mega Man. I mean, I, I don't want to turn this to be anecdotal of my experience with Mega Man, but... Um, I do like learning about the history behind it and learning the little interesting tidbits. Um, when Once you defeat a video game, everyone knows that you see the staff credits. You see, oh, this guy worked on this. Or there was like five or six people or ten. Back in the day, the NES teams were pretty small, pretty short. Um, and typically they would put in their names, but at least with nicknames, so to speak. Um, for Inafuni, he named himself Inaf King. Which, I don't know, I thought that was an oddball choice. But it turns out that he had a, a series uh, that was called, I think, uh, Mufin. And there was a character called uh, Snafukin. Snafukin. So he just wanted to correlate, okay, my name's Inafuni, Snafukin, Inafuni, Inafkin. Okay, that sounds great. Um, and then the famous composers, you like music so much, especially yeah. from Mega Man. Uh, I don't want to who was botch her name. Hers, Hold yeah. on, I have her name. I don't want to botch it because uh, whoever she is is like epic level legend. Oh yeah, like she is. So that would be Manami Manami Matsumai, otherwise known as. Thank you, the... thank you, Manami San. <laughs> you, you you changed video game music forever. <laughs> <laughs> She's known as, get this, Chancha Koring Manami. So that's her name in the credits. So if you ever want to find out who it is, it that's the only way you'll find out. Yeah. Um, but I figured. That, I would assume that would take up some, uh, I guess, some memory space. But I guess you would think you want to attach your name with some credits. You know, I did this, I worked on this. But I guess for them, I guess they wanted to occlude it or hide it. In you want to sense. be like anonymous, I guess? Yeah, be anonymous and then be distinct. And also maybe perhaps they were, they were scared that maybe another company may want to hire them for a different project and not leave their company, so to speak. I don't know. So they were loyal or the, or the company In a way, was like yes, they were paranoid. loyal. Yeah. I, I, one of one of the other one of those two things, but um, sometimes paranoid and loyal goes hand in hand. I guess <laughs> maybe in the I world guess. of '80s video game production. Exactly. Yeah. But I mean, huh? that's what I th- found interesting. And then, of course, I guess I can throw in some more like uh, what should we call it? I guess uh, music related. Like for example, Mega Man's sidekick Rush, his dog. Yeah. Many people thought that he was named after the Canadian band named Rush. Rush. By yeah. The same. Yeah. 
but it's not, unfortunately. You're killing dreams right now. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry, guys. There was a quote by Inafune that it's not actually by the band mm-hmm. Rush, but it's actually by another Capcom game called Rush and Crush. Okay. That's where he got the name for right. it. All right. yeah. Well, this leads into my story. Because okay. my topic is on Mega Man X. And I want to say this. This is a article I wanted to write for the Game Pop for oh. years. It's actually... There's a new original. This is a, <laughs> this is a, this is a theory that I've had about Mega Man X for years oh. that I've wanted to talk about. I mean, the games. There's a lot of evidence in the games, but mm-hmm. I don't think that anybody outright said this. So my experience, Mega Man X is the spin-off series of Mega Man. Most people know. Right. That's. I mean, if Mega Man is the child of the '80s, Mega Man X is the child of the '90s. Mm-hmm. It is the it's, '90s. It's definitely game. the one that I. Yeah, think of when I think of. Mega Actually, Man. let me ask: like, how many of the Mega Man games have you guys played? Have you? How many? I, 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 I want to make a guess. I feel like Ryan's played the original trilogy. Yes. Have you played anything after that? Uh, what were the ones on Game Boy? I played some of those. I played. Okay, yeah, they were mostly remakes of the yeah of the of the original original. Oh, I was talking about the the later ones, like. Oh, no. Oh, you mean like uh, Mega Man Network, Battle Network. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No. Network, no, that. That's not X, but yeah. yeah no, yeah. no, I know that's not X. It's but I also thing. played... Uh, X was what, Super Nintendo? Yeah. yeah. I played X. I played X2. I played whatever that... X3. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. the trilogy. Yeah. The original trilogy. Mm-hmm. Have you played any Mega Man X games? Have you? Nope. I played uh, most of them except for X7. Okay. That's the only one I haven't that's, played. That's the same with me. I played uh, all the way from X1 to X6. So when I'm playing... Here's the thing. When I'm playing the later, and you might experience this also, yeah. just, I mean, chime in if you experience sure. When you play the later Mega Man X games, dude, you start to get this really weird vibe. I got a really weird vibe. Mm-hmm. And the vibe I got was, like, I felt bad doing what I was doing. And oh. I started to feel less and less like a hero and more and more like a monster. <laughs> and I really didn't understand why I was feeling this way about Mega Man, because I've never experienced that with the Super Nintendo games at all. Yeah. But... It's the later games where I'm starting, and it's a continuous story. It's like right. the whole story is told continuously. So I didn't understand why the later games made me feel this way. So I started thinking about this, and this is my theory. Sure. Here's the thing about Mega Man, the entire Mega Man X franchise, and this is my, my thesis on it. The two main characters in Mega Man X, Mega Man X and hereafter we're going to call them X, and Zero, they're good people. They right. are. Mm-hmm. But they are heavily indoctrinated by the propaganda of their government and their government is extremely corrupt and extremely fascist and the thing is because the entire story is told through these characters eyes mm-hmm. you're also indoctrinated because you don't you you only know the good things about the government the the perspective that Mega Man and Zero have and because of that you don't know the negative elements mm-hmm. and i'm going to i'm going to show you exactly how, why i felt so weird playing this game but the equivalent of how i feel about this game and these characters is the government is fascist, it's corrupt, and it's using these enforcers, these enforcers called the Maverick Hunters, right. that are mm. basically the equivalent of Nazi SS officers to oppress an entire minority group in this future society. Like, it is dark when you really think about the consequences of what you're doing in this game. <laughs> um, so you're, you're saying Mega Man and... Zero are like the Nazi. They're the Nazi SS. They're the enforcers of like a yeah. fascist government. So basically, here's the thing: just so you, just so you caught up. Sure. In the original Mega Man games, they're robots, and they're referred to those old robots because there's a continuation of the True. Mega Man timeline. The Mega, the robots in the Mega Man X timeline are the old robots are called mechanoloids. Mm-hmm. They're basically programmed robots. They're like robots who are just they're programmed. For example, Mega Man is a, pro, a, a robot programmed to you know 
save people. That's you know, right. Cutman is a uh, from the original games is a robot who cuts things. He's programmed to cut. Right. Gutsman is a construction working robot. Right. Like they're programmed to do these things. But the thing, and then, then they're basically servants to humanity. These, these mechanoloids, right? They have no thought. They're just robots. They're, they serve humanity by doing labor for humanity. They're, sure. they're, they work that way. Um, but the thing is, in the Mega Man series, they have a, a type of robot, a new type of robot called Reploids. I'm going to keep referring to the Reploids as just robots, honestly, because keep it simple. But when I say robot, I mean Reploid. And what a Reploid is, is in the future of this Mega Man timeline, sure. they find two capsules. That's, this is a story. Uh-huh. They find two capsules. One of the capsules has X, right. and the other one has zero. Mm-hmm. And the idea is X was created by the creator of the original Mega Man, Dr. Thomas Light. Zero was created by Mega Man's arch enemy, Dr. Light's arch enemy from the original games, Dr. Wily. Dr. Right. I didn't know his first name. It's Albert. Albert. Albert Wily. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So That's the, the thing is, name. <laughs> these two capsules, right? <laughs> the thing is that there, there's no – like Mega Man X was created by Dr. Light to be the first – thinking, feeling, sentient robot. Right. He's not just programmed to be good. He can think about things. He can feel things, and he can make his own decisions. He is a, like, a, a sentient being. Mm-hmm. But Dr. Light put him in a capsule because the world wasn't ready for him. So when they find him thousands of years in the future in the, the world of Mega Man X, um, they create more sentient robots based on Mega Man X's design. Right. So they create a bunch of these, like hundreds and thousands of these new Reploid robots who are thinking, feeling creatures, sentient beings. And they have, they, specifically, the reason they're able to think and feel is they have a, something called the suffering circuit, which is they feel pain, and they, they feel empathy towards pain. So because of that, they can, they can think and feel and understand somebody else's pain. So that's the whole idea. But the problem with this whole system that they create in this future is that they basically just replace those mechanoloids, those programmed robots, with these reploid robots, these robots that can think and feel. They just basically created these reploids to do jobs. For example, characters in the Mega Man games, Tunnel Rhino, he's a miner. Uh, Blizzard Buffalo is an ice sculptor. Neon Tiger, by the way, for the longest time, he's an X3. I had no idea what Neon Tiger... Why would you make a tiger <laughs> who does slash claws? Like, dude, apparently Neon Tiger is a, a wildlife protector. He, he stops poachers. What? That's his whole thing. He wow. fights poachers. That's the That's purpose. Cool. So all these Reploid robots are created with a purpose, a sure. single thing, just like Mechanoloids. They have a job. They serve humanity, and they do labor for humanity. But there is a big issue with that because humanity creates them, registers them, creates them for these jobs, any deviancy from that is prohibited. So you are creating beings who can think and feel and want things, but you're restricting them to what you created them for. Yeah, right. so like slavery. Slavery. True. It's basically slavery. It is the arrogance of humanity that they can create free will thinking beings mm-hmm. just to like, you know, fan you and like, you know, fix your car. <laughs> <Dig tunnels>. yeah. <laughs> so it's it's really messed up. And basically the idea is if you break your protocol, if you break the design that you were created for, you're designated as a maverick. A maverick robot is like a rogue robot. And there's three ways in this universe to go maverick. First way is error corruption. Basically it's that uh, a a reploid robot goes berserk due to like corrupted code. And the idea was that it's because they didn't copy X's designs perfectly – 
And because of that, it's like there's flaws in the system. Um, and also, one of the flaws in the system is specifically sudden bursts of existentialism. They're just, <laughs> I mean, literally, I mean, it's in the manual. It's just, they're kind of like, why do I exist? Why am I digging these tunnels? Westworld. Like, yeah. Like, they are freaking out. They, the error corruption is basically them, these sentient beings, being like, what am I doing? Like, what is this life? Right. Like, they freak out. And But that is... Dude, you know who, who they are? Who? Remember uh, the toast robot in... Or the, the butter robot in uh, Rick and Morty? Yes! What do I do? What is my purpose? <laughs> pass the butter. Oh, God. <laughs> Basically, I mean, they just, like, they're freaking out. An example of that is Zero. Zero's whole thing was he was crazy because he was existential. Um, the other way that they can become mavericks, right, rogue robots, is viruses can make them do that. And this is, like, the most common thing. This is the bread and butter of Mega Man X, the original trilogy, one through sure. three. It's They get affected by the maverick virus or the sigma virus, as it's called, and it, it messes with their logic and their empathy. It messes up, like, completely screws up their suffering circuit where instead of, like, feeling empathy they're like i want to cause misery and pain like they go crazy basically mm-hmm. because of virus guys. they become bad pretty much very very conveniently <laughs> conveniently they become bad guys <laughs> and and i mean pretty much like i don't even have to give you an example of this because almost every single character who you have to kill in the mega man games is affected by a virus poor in the original tr- <laughs> yeah poor neon tiger right. um <laughs> basically everybody so the Maverick virus was created by Dr. Wiley, and here's the interesting thing. It was incubated inside of Zero's capsule, so Zero's released that into the world when right. he was awoken. But that was, like, the whole thing. Like, Dr. Wiley created, that's his, that's his legacy. Um, but there's one other way, and this is where it gets really fucked up. And I think this is what you haven't experienced yet, Ryan, because you didn't play the later games. And the third way that you can be designated as a Maverick robot is free will, political if you can be branded as a maverick robot by the government because you did not comply with the laws and examples of this so basically if you chose to choose to disobey humanity and and break your registration break your command protocol you're you're a maverick and wow. there's a lot of examples of this um which i'm going to get into like repliforce and iris and a couple others oh, right, but dude yeah. by the way in the first game one of the there was actually a few robots who were free will in mavericks the very first X. in the very dude boomer Kwanger, apparently in the manual he is Boomer Kwanger, terrible name, but very memorable. Right. Yeah. He, he throws boomerangs, people. That's, <laughs> yeah. He's supposed to be that's a beetle. That's why he's, he's a beetle, but he's called Boomer <laughs> Kwanger. But he, apparently he chose to, you know, he chose what to What was rebel. his job? To throw boomerangs. To throw boomerangs, dude. <laughs> no, I know, <laughs> do but, you think his but job like, is? for what? What <laughs> for the, a shitty job. Because for the kids. it's fun to throw a boomerang. For the kids. Have you ever thrown a boomerang? It's fun for you to throw a boomerang. But if right. I'm a human and I have a slave, why am I going to be like, listen, slave, throw boomerangs. Entertain you might me. Be, exactly, it's entertaining. <laughs> Look at that thing go that way and come back to you. I don't know. It takes skill to get a boomerang to come back to you, though. True. And not if you're programmed to do it. Then it's just sure. your job. You're and, you're, and what if Boomer Corner doesn't want to throw boomerangs? Maybe, right. maybe there he'll, has he'll, more train life to, this. he'll train you how to throw a boomerang. Dude, dude, how sad is it? Their fucking names are their job boomer <laughs> kawanger tunnel rhino spark chill mandrel. penguin spark mandrel like their job is except their neon name. tiger that's true he was weirdly really really chill penguin though what tiger. was the job for um just chill? he relaxed no no actually the first no. generation the first games chill penguin all the characters in the first game were all military bots all of them afterwards were like ice sculptors and like random jobs the first ones were all military bots right. like chill which is weird chill penguin was a soldier in the ice cold in the right, cold. Like the Arctic base. Arctic base, yeah. yeah. Well, anyway, you need the... ice for your drink, he'll bring it to you. <laughs> he is 
notoriously the easiest and worst. It's always the one you go to first. You go to, you right. go to Chill Penguin first. Um, so basically, in the future, right, so you've got these Maverick robots for various reasons, right? Mm-hmm. Um, there's an organization called the Maverick Hunters. They are a government-run department that hunts and exterminates Maverick robots. The idea is this. Once a robot goes Maverick, you can not You can fix some of them, like corrupted code stuff. Sure. But if they're free will Mavericks or if they're virus Mavericks, you got to terminate them completely. There's no... There's no way to fix them. That's like the protocol of the government. Right. And the thing is, they have robots hunting robots. Like Mega Man X and Zero, they are robots themselves. Mm-hmm. They're reploids, but they hunt other reploids, Mavericks. And the first three Mega Man games, you have to remember this. There's no dialogue at all in the first three games. It's basically just you play the level. Well, okay, there's dialogue in some parts, but it's right. very, very limited. Yeah. For the most part, whenever you fight these enemy robots, it's just you go to the chamber. You walk the, into the room. You walk into the room. Music plays. Music plays. And, and they like, they're like, yeah, let's fight. And like, they don't even say that. They just, just fight. And they just yeah, fight. And that's, that's it. Right. It's just fighting. There's no, there's, there's no dialogue. You don't know who these characters are. You're just killing Chill Penguin. You don't know his personality at all. The game manual. chill. Yeah. He's <laughs> chill. <laughs> chill. And that's why he's easy to kill. Netflix and chill. Yeah. <laughs> the game manual always has like, additional data, but that never came to the States. The States mm. didn't have that. The Japanese manuals did. So you don't know who these characters are. They're personalities. But apparently all of them have personalities. So the first three Mega Man games... The Maverick Wars, as they're called, are basically brief idea of the plot is just this enemy robot named Sigma. We know this, right? He infects all these robots, these right. these robots with the the, the Maverick virus, mm-hmm. and they go crazy. And as Mega Man, you just go around killing all of them. Just that's your job is you kill everything that's a Maverick. Um, there were some uh, characters who were surprisingly not. Maverick robots. I'm gonna mention one thing. There's a, there's a few of them, dude. Boomer Quanger, Sting, Sting Chameleon, Storm Eagle. Sting Chameleon was free will. He was, dude. Wow. Ashley, you feel bad. Sting you feel bad for killing Sting Chameleon and Storm Eagle for one reason, dude. The reason they're enemies is because Sigma has hostages, and they're 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 fighting you because they're like I I can't let these people die, and that's why you're fighting them, dude. Sting Chameleon was such a dick. He looked like a dick, <laughs> but he was really a good guy, and I <laughs> yeah. killed him. I had no idea. We, yeah. That, that was their whole thing. Yeah, a bunch of them were After just... he killed me like a thousand times fucking ass, <laughs> right? <laughs> yes, well, actually, we... no. I mean, good for him, I guess, now. I, because yeah. he... <laughs> eh, whatever. Well, dude, here's... Very a, conflicted. I want to give you guys some quotes. Because sure. here's some... In the later, like, later, like, in the 2000s, they released um, a new version of Mega Man X that actually has dialogue with the enemy robots. Oh, and right. I want to read you some brief dialogue only because I want you to get an idea. And I'm going to read more dialogue later. Kill me. But I want to get, get you, give you an idea of just how kind of shitty X and Zero are. Dude, at one point, Armor, when you fight Armored Armadillo, he says, you know, what, talking about Sigma, whether he's insane or not, it's not my place to judge him. I must obey. And X says, looks like you've got Maverick. I'm taking you out. <laughs> That's what he says before he kills Armored Armadillo. Later on, another Maverick, Vile, he talks about wanting to change the world, right? He's talking about changing the world. And Zero says to him, change the world sounds like Maverick talk to me. <laughs> oh Dude, like the stuff that they say is weird. And the thing about X and Zero is once, like when you hear their dialogue... Their problem, dude, is they believe. They're believers in what they're called to do, killing Mavericks. They truly believe killing Mavericks is the right thing to do. And they use the term Maverick as an insult. And, um, I mean, they take it personally. For them, it's, like, like personal that they've got to kill Mavericks. So 
they're dude they're believers in what this government yeah, right. is doing and that's scary you're playing these guys you're fucking racist so after <laughs> after the x3 games here's what happened and this is a unique thing and i don't think they expected this after x3 all of a sudden the games go to playstation because there's it's playstation two things one more room for dialogue more right. room for everything but second thing is this they realize every single fight in every single game is the same thing you go to a room you kill a guy you go to a room you kill a guy it, it's never different and so because of that they're like all right let's give the robot some personality that way you know who you're killing <laughs> basically <laughs> sure. they want to change it up <laughs> so <But> rather <laughs> than rather than well don't just go to a room and kill a guy go to a room and feel bad about it yeah <laughs> not even well here's the thing get to know not him even first that. Get to because know him first. get to know him first. first. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Take him to a movie, then kill him. <laughs> but here's the thing: They're, it's still a f- action shooter game. So because of that, no they more don't Netflix and chill. They don't want to mm-hmm. give you too much dialogue to where it slows down the pace. So basically, dude, I'm not even joking, dude. The dialogue for every single villain in all games afterwards, from X4 onward, basically boils down to four lines. First line: <laughs> villain says something existential, political, or sad. Next line, Mega Man or Zero say they sound like a maverick. Third line, (laughs) villain is upset at being called a maverick. Fourth line, Mega Man or Zero claims they have no choice but to destroy the enemy. (laughs) That's how every single conversation goes. And the crazy thing is this, because they want to have personality for the villains, but also rush into battle and keep the pace of the game, sure. they make Mega Man and Zero sound like fucking lunatics, dude. <laughs> like, they sound crazy. And this is why you start feeling bad. This is, well, this and, some, yeah, this is the beginning of that. Mega Man X4 does something no other Mega Man game does, and this is the one that we are going to kind of focus on a little bit. Basically, the story is this. Sigma orders this enemy character named Magma Dragoon to crash a floating city in the sky called Sky Lagoon into another city on the ground, right? And he does. He crashes the city into the ground. There's this independent, like, organization that works with the government, but they're independent of the government, called Repliforce. And they are a peacekeeping organization run by Reploid robots, right? That's their whole thing. They're kind of similar to Maverick Hunters, but they don't work for the government. They're, like, independent. The government doesn't trust Repliforce, and there's, like, files that they've kept where they're just, like, they're potentially dangerous. Like, we might have to deal with them one day. Like, that's how the government sees Repliforce. But Repliforce's whole thing is peacekeepers, right? So it's kind of like the UN. Russia being in the UN. Yeah, like, it's, it's like that. So <laughs> Like, oh, well, I mean, I guess there are allies, but... Yeah. <laughs> Keep an <laughs> eye on you. I don't know what's you. going on. Yeah, <laughs> we don't know what's going on in Repliforce. So the Maverick Hunters and Repliforce respond to the Sky Lagoon crash at the same time. They're like, oh, shit, what's going on? Like, people died. They're trying to rescue people, save people. Right. But the thing is, the government's like, whoa, whoa what's your involvement with this crash? And Repliforce is like, well, no, we're just here to help. We're here to save people. But the government says, well, you know what? We want you to disarm, come in for questioning so we can figure out what the situation is. And Repliforce is like, whoa, 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 you have no sovereignty over us. Like, we are our own thing. We're not going to disarm just so you can question us. We have no – we didn't do anything. We're here to help. And so because the government – like, because they refuse to disarm and give in to the government's, like, policies or whatever, the government's like – that's it. You guys are mavericks. You guys are all mavericks. And the general of Repliforce, his whole thing is like, dude, like this is crazy. How could you guys like call us maverick robots just mm. because we don't want to comply with your laws, right? And disarm, even though we're independent. So the general of Repliforce declares that, you know what? We're going to build our own Reploid nation, an independent nation just for Reploids. And he says this specifically. Like all the robots that are in Repliforce like, yeah, yeah, we're going to start our own nation. We're not going to live in this country anymore. 
And the general specifically says this. He says, but remember, this is neither about insurrection or rebellion against our human creators. This is about our own liberty and security. We must fight for our individual rights, and we will build our nation as a sanctuary for all reploids. That's his whole thing. He's just like, we're going to make a nation. We're going to live in peace. We're not going to hurt any human beings, though. But the government's like, no, no, we're not having this. And they send X and Zero to eliminate Repliforce. Dude, that's what you're doing in X4. You're killing <laughs> Repliforce just because they want to start their own nation. And, the, I mean, there are three guys in Repliforce who are, like, <clears throat> like working for Sigma, and they're, like, the ones who are, like, manipulating situations. That's true. By the way, they're the shittiest-sounding characters. Split Mushroom, Cyber Peacock. Oh, boy. <laughs> they're, they're pretty shitty. But, actually, the game is really cool in one way, dude. When you're fighting enemies, you know, there's, like, a symbol. All the enemies have Repliforce brand signal symbol. But the enemies that are working for Sigma secretly have Sigma signal when you fight symbol when you fight them. So it's kind of got that like vibe of like conspiracy stuff going on. Anyway, the point is this: that's who you're killing in in the Mega Man X4 game. And I'm gonna breeze through the other ones. Mega Man X5, dude. The enemies are infected by the Sigma virus. But here's the thing: all of them point out shit about Maverick Hunters that makes you feel shitty. They basically talk about how Maverick Hunters like X and Zero are just like Sigma. They're overconfident and they're ruthless, and they refer to Maverick Hunters as scum. Basically, they're treating them as Blade Runners, like you filthy Blade Runners. And um, <laughs> basically, dude, the crazy thing is X and Zero insist that the that they only retire Mavericks. Um, but when questioned about why they have no other response other than violence, um, like one person responds, like, who decides what a maverick is? You know, they're, they're like questioning this whole idea. By the way, one of the characters in that game, Squid Adler, um, he is, dude, he's straight up, he's, <laughs> this is ridiculous, he's a retired maverick hunter. His whole thing is just, I've seen too much shit, and I don't like the corruption in the government, I'm done. <laughs> <laughs> like you kill a corrupt like sorry you kill a retired maverick hunter in that game x7 and x uh sorry x6 and x7 none of them none of them are infected with a virus they're all political mavericks one of them i'm not even joking x6 they're fucking investigators dude they're investigating some kind of weird event that's going on called nightmare and the government's like no, no we can't let them find out the truth about nightmare kill them all <laughs> in X7, they're vigilantes. The whole thing is they're killing Mavericks also, but they're not government-sanctioned. And so the government's just like, nah, take them out. And so you take out this group called Red Alert um, because they're also Maverick hunters. So in these the, the games, pretty much from X4, X6, and X7, you're just killing dudes who are not bad. You're just killing dudes <laughs> because they're not with the government. There's a quote I want to go back to. I want to go back to these quotes now, right? The stuff where X and Zero are saying, like, sounds like Maverick talk. I want you to remember this now. The first games I quoted, those are all virus Mavericks. They're crazy. They want to kill people, sure. stuff like that. Yeah. But these quotes I'm about to read you, these are quotes from, like, like, re- like normal Mavericks who are just, they're just trying to, like, start their own government, start their own nation, whatever. They're not evil. Uh <laughs> Fucking the ridiculous names. Bamboo Pandemonium. Oh, boy, yeah. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Bamboo Pandemonium. He says, uh, he says, he laments this. He's very sad. He says, all of history has been spent making things whose sole purpose is to destroy missiles, reploids. X says, you talk like a maverick. And Zero says, give me a break. This perfect world you mavericks keep blabbering about doesn't even exist. Dude, dude. That's what you're saying to a dude who's sad about violence. He's like, I wish we would all just get along. And he's yeah. like, 
fucking hippies. <laughs> uh, there's a guy called Snipe Anteater, and he says that he claims that a world um, a world of peace between humans and reploids is not possible. And X says, you're wrong. We can create a world without war. Utopia is not just a dream. And Snipe Anteater says, you can't build a utopia on top of the graves of rebels like myself. Oh, that's deep. It's wow. like, holy shit, dude. Like, like later on, you feel pretty shitty about killing things. And, dude, and this is the point. This is the last thing I want to leave you with that makes you realize the entire series of Mega Man X, all eight games, you are a bad guy. In the eighth game, you find out the truth about the entire series, which is Sigma was never the true bad guy. Sigma was manipulated all this whole time in Maverick Wars where he's giving viruses to enemies and there's rebellions and, you know, some reploids are peaceful they want to start their own nation but you kill them anyway all this stuff happening sigma the main villain bad guy was manipulated by this character called lumine and lumine's entire goal the entire series was he was using the viruses he was using all this political manipulation to allow all reploids not just a few to gain true freedom true free will from humanity his whole goal was he wants all reploid robots to be able to go maverick at will not just through a virus, not through corruption. Everyone can choose to go Maverick um, and break their own programming because some of them have a harder time breaking programming if they're really, really designed for one thing. If their existence is to dig a tunnel, even if they can think for themselves, it's hard to break out of that mold. But he wanted to give all Mavericks the or all Reploids the ability to choose to go Maverick on their own and decide for themselves what they want to be and who they want to be. And dude, X and Zero, in the final battle, they claim Lumine is the enemy. And Lumine says, this isn't a black and white issue. You use these terms like ally, enemy, maverick, but what do they even mean? And in the end, though, you still kill Lumine. <laughs> like, that's the final boss. You murdered a shit out of Lumine. And um, Lumine, the, like, the last words he says is that old mavericks like you, like referring to X and Zero, he says, Old mavericks like you will never understand what we're trying to build and what we're trying to do here. And the biggest issue, dude, is like at the end, they fail. At the end, X and Zero fail, and basically all mavericks now have the ability to go – or all reploids, robots, can go maverick at will. And at the end, like, dude, this is the shittiest thing. At the end, X you... just goes, "We got a lot of work <laughs> dude, to do." Dude, you're riding down an elevator, and like, X is like in deep in thought. He's always the more the pacifist, you know. Sure. And uh, he's just like, like, you know, zero. Like, like, what do you think about what we're doing? Like, I mean, do you think that it's true that all you know reploids will go maverick? And and what about what our purpose is in in stopping all of this from happening? And uh, zero basically says like. Like, nah, like, we know what we have to do, and we have to take care of them all. Like, he basically just says, nah, we got a lot of Mavericks to kill. Dude, I mean, basically, by the end of it, even by the end of it, they refuse to change their ways. Like, they truly believe in killing these renegade robots deemed by the government. And, I mean, that's that's basically my thesis, dude. By the end of the, like, you realize by the end of the series, you've been playing the bad guys the whole time. They're stopping an entire, like, race of sentient beings from gaining freedom. And that's your job. For right. eight games. <laughs> that's true. I mean, that's, well, I mean, you know, it is what you're programmed to do. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I guess in a way it goes into, like, one, the idea that a player can be indoctrinated because you're playing the hero, but sure. are you really playing the hero? And then, two, just... It's very much Spec Ops it's line. Spec Ops except, line. Except Spec Ops is not subtle about it. Like, yeah. like, I think there's even conversations at the end of the game where they're, like, someone just asks you, like, 
what the fuck were you thinking? Like, <laughs> how did you get to this point? And, and you're just like, well, we came here to do a job. And they're like, no, man, you came here just to see what happened. No one told you to, like, murder all these people or to, like... There's, there's actually a scene in that game where you uh, use white phosphorus on, like, a group of civilians, which is essentially, like, napalm. <laughs> oh, man. And, I mean, at the time when you're doing it, which is weird for me to say, but you think that that's what you're supposed to do, and you have to, like, walk through their bodies. and It really forces you to be like, you're a piece of shit. Yeah. I was going to say, all of this sounds like, um, if you go into it, maybe just the idea of what soldiers have to do yeah. with, in the actual army. Like, yeah. are you just following blindly orders, or what? what's the larger picture? I mean, with all the wars and stuff going on, it's like... Are we really the heroes? Or I mean, they're fighting for their country too. We're so not. Who's... Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm gonna actually go out there and say <laughs> war is we never are, the answer. We are yeah. kind of the bad guys of the world. Well, yeah. I always uh, I remember in a couple papers, but it's like for me anyway in history, it seems like there is World War II was the only time really yeah. where you could say this is good, this yeah. is bad, yeah. Yeah. and this is what we're fighting for. But all the other ones are just like uh, I don't know. Everything else has been it's, very, it's very gray, gray area. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. yeah. But uh, yeah, I mean that's that's great all topic, guys. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, um, so I mean we are over time, so we should wrap up. Sure. Um, anything you guys want to? Is there anything you want to signal boost, Kent? Signal boost. Yeah, um, I mean, anything you want to shout out to? You want to promote at all? I mean, I guess. Uh, well, you did mention that maybe later in the future I could probably come in to talk about in terms of uh, speech my career, pathology. speech pathology. Yeah, be, so I mean, we, I could do a shout out for CSUN NISLA, which is the National Student Speech and Language and Hearing Association. Okay. Um, not sure of when, when that could happen, but if we were to do a topic, I'd love to share with Listen, you guys. Listen, considering how desperately we seek out, you know, <laughs> I mean, uh, we need guests. someone every week, so yeah. So I mean, we can do that. We'll, let's arrange sure. it. Let's do it, man. Yeah, for yeah. sure. And Courtney, then, shout out. I was gonna say, kind of on that note, if you guys ever want to reach us, we did just create a Gmail. Yeah. So Ooh. you can reach us oh, yeah. at Ryan and Noosh are dead at gmail dot com. Uh, you can also tweet at us, which is just at Ryan and Noosh, um, and of course follow us on Facebook because we'll. We'll be more active on that. And get yeah. stuff sure. up we and also going. have Instagram. Yes, we Instagram. Yeah. Try nice. to get more on that stuff. And uh, yeah. we are working on getting the shows up on an archive kind of thing. There is a link up there, and there's only like three episodes yeah. now, but we'll get more stuff up. We will one day have an archive as soon right. as we can. So, yeah, just yeah. keep sure. in touch. Also, right. yeah. shout out to uh, the creators of Bayer Back and Body for saving my life over the past couple of weeks. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm in so much pain. <laughs> Sorry, man. It's cool. Uh, uh, drive safe, people. That's <laughs> my. Don't crash. Into Life people. is not a game. It sucks. No, it's not. There's, no <laughs> There's no restart button. Yeah, especially nope. when you nope. are like, I think once you hit like 26 and older. Yeah. Yeah, maybe a little like 27 and older. You don't you don't bounce back as much as you. You hear think clicks you're a lot yeah. more often when you move your body. <laughs> you, make a, you make a lot of grunts when yeah. you get up. It's like, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, I've got. Nothing to signal boost, so I'm I'm good. So thank you guys for joining us on uh, another episode. We will be back again next week for election day. Oh yeah, for our our topic Ooh. democracy. Oh. Oh, uh, democracy 2016. I'm the least excited I could possibly <laughs> be. I'm <laughs> not gonna lie. Ryan and I are pretty pretty not no. What's we're disillusioned. So we will we'll talk about that in the future. Sure. Whatever. Yeah. But uh, yeah. Okay. So uh, thanks for joining us today, guys, and we will. Uh, leave you with this song which is um 
It is actually by a uh, DJ named Tumelo, and he took the music of oh, my favorite game of all time, <laughs> Chrono Trigger. One of my favorites. And also. one of Brian's favorites, too. It's something we, we both love, Chrono Trigger. He, uh-huh. he took the music of Chrono Trigger, and he mixed it with Jay-Z's music. And it's, it's, it's uh, Jay-Z's lyrics. And Chrono it's, Jigga. Cr- it's called Chrono Jigga. The album's called Chrono Jigga. This song is called Ignorant Scene, which is by Jay-Z and Tumelo. I uh, hope you guys enjoy it, and uh, thank you for joining us. We'll see you next week. Ryan and Usher Dead is made possible thanks to KDHR, the student-operated radio station of California State University, Dominguez Hills. For more information about KDHR, please visit www.kdhr.net. The intro song for this show is Space Ace by Blind. This music is made available thanks to Overclocked Remix. For more information, please visit ocremix.org.